Welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. Wise Guys is your home to interact with the worldwide community of BYU fans in a variety of ways. We're your hosts, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. What you're about to hear is the audio recording from our weekly live broadcast. We invite you to join us for the show live every week to chat with us and with other BYU fans. You can find the schedule and watch live at wiseguys.com. That's ysguys.com. Thanks for listening, and go Cougs. Everybody, the Wise Guys are back. See, that's what we're talking about. There's Blaine Fowler. I'm Dave McCann. We had to switch music at the last second as we were building up because now it sounds like kind of like a, a rock band's coming this is, out. This is your music. Yeah, I, I mean, it's I America's like, I mean, like music. It too. No, like, is your favorite band ACDC still? So, it's right up there. It's right up there. But, but hey, everybody out there, Dave went... When he lived in Vegas, he went to the ACDC concert in the Thomas and Mac. DJ, let's show our set. Yeah, he went to the, he went to the ACDC concert every year when it came to the Thomas and Mac there in Vegas. And uh, um, but you 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 told me, Dave, that that the good news was you you sat up in a booth, so all of the marijuana smoke never reached you. That's what you say, right? <laughs> That's what I tell people. So. Yeah. yeah. All right. Here's our second shot. In a minute, we'll yeah. show you the third shot. <laughs> and how was your week? It's, it's good. So, I mean, all the whole last week? Yeah, the, week the whole last week. Since yeah. we were all together. Yeah, it's been good. It's been really good. Lots, we, of, lots of big things happening in sports. Lots of fun stuff yeah. going on. Yeah. We've got a killer show tonight. Uh, and we, we want you to log on and interact with us. And we've got two national champions coming up in a few minutes. Courtney Wayment and uh, Ashton Reiner. Uh, BYU women's track and field, and uh, you can ask them questions. So uh, think of a good question you might want to ask, and we'll remind you a couple times as people join us as we just come on, yep. just come we on see, the air. See people coming on. Good evening to y'all. First person on tonight is uh, Mark Actual. First person, so he's going to get recognized for being first person on. Way to go! You're number one. Number one to log on tonight. So. And you can ask, you can ask us questions too. Yeah, and welcome to our podcast too. Yeah, oh, this yeah. is also our podcast, which is now up and available. Uh, get all your information at ysguys.com, and you click on a button. There's the podcast. If you miss our show, or if you want to hear us as you're driving around, don't drive angry. But if you want to hear us as you're driving around, hop on the podcast and and check it out. Absolutely. Let's start with football. There's football camp going on. So mm-hmm. actually every camp known to man has been going on yeah, on campus. All, all over campus. And, and right now on the football side of things, um, you know, what it, they had the big father-son camp, yeah. to, which is honestly the biggest camp on campus because that's a bunch of different sports, father-son camp, which is really cool. It's very unique to BYU, and they, they do a little of everything. And uh, football and basketball are part of that, baseball. Um, and they kind of rotate through day to day, and it's over a weekend. And that's behind them. But that's that one is attended like no I it may be the most attended camp in the country. Yeah. Really cool. If you haven't had a chance to do that, I was thinking I should go back and do that camp with my boys, even though they're all done playing college football. Yeah, get the health uh, or, or should I take my grand, doctors I should take it. my grandsons take and go your grandkids. That. But, but then right now, you mentioned football camp. Um, they're finishing up uh, the high school camp yeah. um, tomorrow and then Thursday, Friday and Saturday is the Cubs camp, so the, the, young, the young guys on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And so they've been at this a couple of weeks, football program's we were, been at I it. was at a planning meeting with Kalani Sataki as we're getting ready for media day next right. week, and he was heading over to pick up his 12-year-old boy from camp. Yes. And he was still, still coming to terms with the fact that Timberley is due uh, in mid-July, yes. and he pointed out there's going to be a 12-year gap. 
And uh, I think he's still wrestling with that concept. Well, I, I said, I said <laughs> to him, like, how are you going to do this? Do you even remember how to do this? And he says, that's just like, it's like riding a bike. I could, like, I could do this. I'll get right back into it. And then he goes, uh, I'm not so sure. <laughs> so 12, 12 years is a big gap. And, uh, you know, they, they also last week, they hosted a, a kick, a specialist camp for long snappers and holders yeah. and kickers and punters. Um, and, and it looks like uh, BYU, I don't know if we're, I still don't know if we're allowed. I don't think you can say his name, so but you're saying names, they found a guy. BYU found a kicker. Yeah, Like a future. a future kicker that, and I'll just say this, um, without saying any names, they typically, a lot of big-time programs, we're talking Utah, Utah State, a lot of big programs don't offer scholarships to kickers um, and especially with NIL deals now, they're like, hey, come walk on. That's paid for anyhow. It's an NIL deal. If you're our starter, you're on scholarship. So you're in your way. We're gonna, our, our long snapper, our holder, our kicker, they're going to be on scholarship. Okay? So just come and compete. This guy was so ridiculously amazing, and he's a young guy. So he's, a, he's an underclassman in high school, just hitting 60 to 65-yard punt after another and making 60-yard field goals. They went, okay, he, he's so good, we have to offer him and uh and they did and he 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 agreed right on the spot nice so so BYU's kicking game a few years down the road is going to be in great great shape I don't think we're allowed to say names no I don't think so we'll just we have to figure that out maybe we can someday Logan Utah checking in Spanish Fork Pleasant Grove Eagle Mountain Colorado Springs thanks for joining wise guys tonight everyone checking in we'll have some global we'll have our global reach here uh, and uh, Courtney Wayman's coming up here in just a few. Let's go over some campus notes, some things that have happened since we were all last together last Tuesday night. That's kind of a theme that we'll do so that few folks who aren't actually here in Provo, which, which are most of you, and as we envision this show, which will be, you know, most of you as we cover the world. I, I anyway, keep, we'll get keep, you up I to keep speed. keep looking for, for our guy, Corey, to log in from, from Japan. North Carolina's in. Yep, there we go. Carolina, Wilmington, North Carolina is in. Good to have you here. All right, you know who else is in? Houston, Cincinnati, and Central Florida. Yes. They uh, came to an agreement with the Americans, so they announced since we were last together that they will join the Big 12 with BYU on the 1st of July, 2023, almost 12 months from now. And that's significant because BYU was always going in Mm -hmm. on July 1, but we weren't quite sure about the other three. And now that they're locked in, the schedule makers can go to work, and we'll have our first Big 12 schedule in October. Yeah, and that's actually, we, we were actually skeptical that they were going to be able to come to an agreement because we thought the AAC maybe wouldn't cooperate as much as they did. And to their credit, they cooperated yeah. and, and allowed some type of an agreement and a buyout of some sort. But it wasn't exorbitant, and it wasn't uh, um, as much as we thought because we thought it would be a couple years before Houston Cincinnati and Central Florida. We thought BYU would be in there. Texas and Oklahoma would still be in it. Because they had to pay, and they still had to pay a lot of money yeah, to get out. they still paid money, but, it was, but, but they worked things out. And uh, I think that's great because now you've got and – then, and then remember, um, well, let's, let's go to CBS reported yeah. also this week that, that the two schools, Texas and Oklahoma, plan to leave the Big 12 and join the SEC in 2024. We were thinking it might be 2025. Right. So we thought BYU might have – Opportunities to in football and basketball and baseball for two years for, for two years. And by the way, Texas and Oklahoma didn't they both play in the most recent College World Series? Yeah, yeah. well, for softball they did, softball, and now right, we softball. wish them the best. Uh, yeah, we're hoping to get a shot so at one, one of year. them. One year, that one right? year, twenty three. Yeah. yeah, and it, 
Hopefully one of them will come to Provo. Yeah. In 23. Hopefully it's Texas. Oh, no, I don't think Texas wants to have anything to no, do with No, they Provo. don't. That's why I think the Big 12 will send them. <laughs> yeah, they just despite Send them to Texas. They got friends here. Despite of their leaving. So, <laughs> so, yeah, so the league's going to be um, in complete form as it will stand moving forward in 2020 and 2024 um, because Texas and Oklahoma will be out. Houston, Cincinnati, and Central Florida will be in. 2023 is going to be a big league. Yeah. Because Texas and Oklahoma is still in it. And then they could do divisions if they want in 24 because they've got the 12 and they can slice up the six if that goes. 14, a lot of teams to try and figure out how to have a football and a basketball a group. But we'll at least get one year. That now There's still possibly that we could have Texas and Oklahoma for the second. But even BYU's administrators are like, yeah, we don't, we don't yeah, expect they'll, Texas they'll, they'll and figure out a way to get OU to hang around. That, that being said, it's, it's, you know, we've been following it ever since the announcements, and everybody's wondering, well, is that league just watered down? Um, for, first, let's talk basketball. Every, everything that looks at metrics over the last decade, when you take Texas and Oklahoma out and you put Houston, Cincinnati, Central Florida, and BYU in in basketball, the league's better. Oklahoma's been decent. Texas hasn't been that great. Basketball... It's a better league than it's been, and it's already been the best league in college basketball. So, so there you go. It's going to be the best league in college basketball. It's like a super league. Right. It's like and, a super league. And in football, obviously Oklahoma's been a perennial top five program, but Texas has not been great in recent years. Um, and, and, hey, Cincinnati has been as good as either of them the last couple of years. And BYU's, you know, two years ago was right on their heels and right there um, with, with anybody in that league. Um, last couple of years, they've been right there. Central Florida, a couple of years ago, was making a claim to a national championship with an undefeated season. And so, is is it going to hurt? I mean, having Oklahoma not in league, that, that's a big, big yeah. name, great, talented And Texas program. is the, uh, among the biggest names. Yes, it is. But for just, sure. But but it's not like they've been ranked in the top five any no. time in recent history. So. They, they, they dominate in all these other sports. Yes. They can't get it together in football and now – now we got our own guy, Steve Sarkeesian, down there. Yeah. And the heat's on to get together and, right away. And you would think now, it's, I, for, I felt like Steve would get it going and that they would compete and very quickly be competing for Big 12 championships. But now he's got even a bigger hill to climb because they're moving to the SEC. And while we can clearly say that the Big 12 is the best basketball conference in America, I think you can also clearly say that the SEC is the best football conference in all of America. Hands and, down. Now, there's some Big 10 folks that are friends of mine. They go, come on. No, you no. come on. The SEC is the best yes. football conference in college. They football. are, and they know it, and yeah. more power to them. So, speaking of football, we've got another football quiz coming up a little later tonight. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, we'll interact guys, with everybody. Did, um, that was fun last week. You guys did uh, um, great this this last time. So, yeah. um, and people saying, yep, you're right. We'll be easily be number one in, in basketball. Appreciate that. And, and uh Oh, somebody's in from Exotic Bountiful. Is that different than regular Bountiful? The regular Bountiful is as you go around the corner. So is the Exotic the Bountiful, exotic... is that out closer to the lake by, and more trees? <laughs> I, it or, must be. Or is that up on is that up it could in be the up canyon, on the hill by the Eubanks? Up in the canyon I don't know. by Bountiful Ridge Golf Course because I think that's pretty exotic up there. BYU Football Media Day is coming up June 22nd. That's a week from tomorrow, believe it or not. State of the program, 11 a.m., Eastern Time, 9 Mountain, our independent special, uh, which we'll all be a part of. That's at 4.30 Eastern Time in the afternoon, 2.30 Mountain on BYU TV. And as we check the calendar, Stadium of Fire getting closer that Saturday, July 2nd at Lavelle Edwards Stadium with Tim McGraw. After further review, the season premiere coming up July 26th. That's six weeks from yeah. tonight. Seems like, we just, seems like we just did our last show. Man. Tyler Algiers run into history. 
Players report on Wednesday, August 3rd. Season opener, September 3rd at South Florida, 4 Eastern on ESPNU. Which uniform configuration do you want to see for the opener? So they're on the road. I, 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 want, I, want, I want white tops and royal pants and royal helmets. White tops. Royal pants. Royal pants. Royal helmets. Oh, that would look good. It's sharp. Yeah, that was the USC look, wasn't it? That's a clean look. And when yeah. you go beat USC on the road, I, I think that was the. I think are it we was right. Was it? I think it was. If anybody can remember, hit us with that. Was that the USC look? That the royal helmets, royal pants, and white jerseys. I just think it's a crisp, clean look. Yeah. So and all the all whites are good too, but I like I like the contrast. Courtney Wayman is going to join us live here in a couple of months. That'll be our first guest. We're, right now, we're only allowing national champions on the show. Yeah. That's the standard. Our first two guests are national champions. Yeah. And then we'll, we'll see the, where we go In from the there. history of this show, we're going to start, and the bar is going to be so If you high. got a title, you can get on. Yeah, you got to be a national champ. On and, the wise guys. And that's the only reason you let me on the show, because I am a national champ. Well, there are other reasons, but you are a national champ. <laughs> Even though you don't wear your ring, one of these days you'll just have I'll, to bring it. I'll wear it. it and here's, show it. Here's the thing. I got old, <laughs> and, and I got fat. And my, fi- my fingers are fat, so... I need some help. Somebody needs to help me stretch my national championship ring because it's, it's kind of a pinky ring now, and it's way too big. It's like this big to yeah. wear on well, my Well, maybe pinky. just bring it in, and we'll just set, we'll just it, set it out there, there and let, yeah. it, let it shine. Trent Pratt, since we were last together, is named BYU head baseball coach. Finished the season as the interim coach when Mike Littlewood resigned in early April. He went 16-9, and including 11-3 and over the last 14, and guided the Cougars to the WCC baseball tournament. Tuella High School graduate, played catcher in college at Arizona State and Auburn. His uh, nephew is Ozzie Pratt, who's yeah. locked down second he, base. He was an all-SEC player yeah. at Auburn. And so. he had some big time. Uh, he was in the big league organization for a little bit mm-hmm. with the Phillies and then uh, an assistant coach down at Dixie State with Mike Littlewood, and he came up. And we congratulate he and his wife, Doris, their six children. What do you think of that hire? I, I think I think it's fantastic. And, I, and I've talked to some of the players. I um, – just was t- talking to Jacob Rogers the other day on Monday. Went to lunch with Jacob, um, uh, and he just said, players love Trent. They'll play hard for him, as evidenced by what they did down the stretch. And, yeah. and so the team was really excited that they kept it in-house and, and that Trent had a chance to prove himself. And and Jacob and I were saying, uh, maybe there was some some wisdom. Because a lot of people were saying to me, why, why is Mike Littlewood stepping down the middle of the year? Like not in the middle of the year, but toward the end of the year. Like, yeah. why not just finish out the season? And uh, and maybe there was some wisdom in, hey, you know what? I really want, you know, if Trent's going to have a chance to get this job, he's going to have a chance to prove himself. And if he can get him rolling and we feel like they're rolling and he has a chance to prove himself, he's the best chance for him to get that job. And and Jacob feels like there's some wisdom in, in him having that down the stretch and having a chance to uh, um, prove what he could do. Yeah, he, And he certainly did. He certainly and, did. and I think there's a chance that uh, we could possibly see Mike Littlewood back at BYU in a referee's uniform. Oh, yeah. Uh, as uh, the Cougar basketball season gets going. He's, I, I, I think I, I would be surprised if he's not in that West Coast consortium uh, calling ball games, and it'll be fun to see him. And it's, it's, he, never, he never gets BYU games. Because it's his alma mater, so they don't let him officiate. That's BYU why games. they don't. Yeah. I thought, well, because yeah. you couldn't, because he was on staff. Then he gave no, that so up be, so he could join. That, I, was, I, I would see him all over, and you and I would see him because we did so much with UNLV and the other teams yeah. in the Mountain West during those years, and we would see Mike all the time. Um, and and Mike would do Big Twelve, Pac twelve, Mountain West. He, he was in like an elite eight type official, 
And, and all of the top officials in this part of the country, when Mike took that baseball job, they, they, you know, they would say to say to us, oh man, your boy Mike took that job at BYU, so now he can't officiate. That's too bad. He's one of the finest basketball officials in the country and on a trajectory to be kind of a Final Four guy. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him back at it. Yeah, we'll, we'll see him on we'll see him on television doing games. We probably won't see him doing any BYU games. But all right, is, I was is, thinking maybe he might sneak through. Is it messed up at my house that so we've been doing this so long, college basketball for so long? We'll turn on a game in the Big Twelve or in the Pac Twelve or the Mountain West or whatever. And the game's on, we're flicking through, and my wife will go, "Oh, look, Vern Harris is the lead official on this." <laughs> she starts naming the officials, and in most games, she can name the officials. That. That's a that's a good basketball commentator. Yeah, that's a, the games are on a lot. Brent, Brendan yeah, knows. House. Brendan knows who all the officials are in, in West. It's crazy. Hey, the 14th ranked BYU women finished tied for ninth place at the NCAA championships. Their second top ten finish in consecutive seasons for the first time since 1999 and 2000. Of the current Big 12 and the newcomers, only Texas and Texas Tech finished ahead of BYU, and Texas is going to be out. Right. And uh, the the women are going to be in a position to grab a Big Twelve title sooner than later. They compete right, and the men will too. Yeah, and the men will too. And it's it's a little interesting when you go to nationals, you only have national qualifiers, and and you, we talked about the the men didn't finish where they should. Right, have. they were ranked fourth going into the postseason. They finished 39th at the championship. So the problem is, is is if one or two people have a bad day, you just don't have enough folks to accumulate points in a, in a dual meet where BYU's depth because BYU is unbelievably deep in both men's and women's track and so there's teams that finished in front of them it, BYU women they they finished top 10 but, but BYU in a dual meet I think they're they're top five top four team BYU's men's teams the top 10 teams certainly but a couple of a couple of bad performances somebody just a little off and you have so few people in nationals that points just go away. And so what you finish in nationals doesn't necessarily correlate linear, linear can you, what is that word? Linearly? Linear, yeah. Is yeah. That the right Throw word? an L Y on Linearly that. doesn't doesn't <laughs> doesn't. But but to be in the top ten at nationals says something. That means the small group that you took that qualified all performed. Yeah. And that's what happened with the women. Didn't happen with the men uh, this year. Hey, Sebastian Fernandez, though, is a story we want to touch oh, on. Oh, man. Freshman from Minnesota. A couple of months ago, he wasn't even on the track team. Ed Eyestone let him join the squad as a walk-on before the BYU Invitational. He went out there and set the facility record in the 800 meters. Then he went to Arkansas and qualified for the NCAA championships. His goal, he said, I'm going to... I'm going to be a second-team All-American. So he goes over to Oregon. He finishes 11th, which gets him second-team All-American honors. That, that's just an amazing story. It's, it's crazy, isn't it? I was just like, it's like a Rudy story almost. And, and I love that, that he just shows up and walks on and does, does what he did. And, and uh, he's got a bright future to be able to just come out and just do that. So, Courtney Wayman uh, won the national title in the 3,000-meter steeplechase. We're waiting for her to join us here on the show, uh, a time that broke her own record, the collegiate record, the meet record, turning in the fastest time in U.S. history at 9 minutes and 16 seconds. The senior's the fourth uh, BYU women's athlete to win the steeplechase championship. Is she ready? Yeah. Courtney, are you with us? Courtney's with us. We are just reading all the things that you've won. Fourth NCAA title for the outstanding career. How, how about a six-time six All-American uh, for for Courtney, 
um, outdoor national champ in 2022, indoor 5,000 champ in 2022, 2021 indoor 3,000 champ. There she is. Hey, let us know if we get but, all these hey, wrong. Let, it's just a any, giant hey, list. Courtney, if we get anything wrong, you got to let us know. And and the, the thing that I think is really cool, and, and Courtney's going to – I want to know, Courtney, if this is kind of heady stuff. So your top five all time in the United States now in the steeplechase, and I was looking at one, two, three, and four – and, and, and it's Courtney uh, Freericks, who's a two, 2017 silver, world silver medalist and, and an Olympian. It's Emma Coburn, who's a world champ, an Olympic bronze medalist, world silver medalist, eight-time U.S. champ, two-time Olympian. Three is Colleen Quigley, 2016 Olympian. Four is Jenny Simpson, 1,500 um, world champ. Olympic bronze medalist. It seems to be an Olympic theme there. Well, this is my question for Courtney right now, and that is, you're better than all of them than when they were in college. So are you going to best everything that that group I just read did when, when it comes down to your career and it's all done? Oh, man, I don't I don't know. I mean, I guess time will only tell, but um, I have big goals, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what the future unholds, and I'm excited to just put my head down and – work because I'm in a you know it's a different league being with professionals versus NCAA and so I'm, I'm excited for what the future holds but you know I guess time will tell on that nine minutes and 16 seconds is your big run we're going to show some video of that here in a sec uh nine seconds ahead of the field and we were talking about that a little bit when we were together today on BYU Sports Nation but now you can give us the real answer how cool was it to be nine seconds ahead <laughs> of everyone else behind you um, I think it was cool. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I really haven't thought about it that much. I feel like I was just so in my own world and not worried about what anyone else was doing. I was kind of just in my own world and listening to what coach Taylor was telling me to do during the race. And I think I just really focused in on what I was going to do and get my goal. And my goal was to run about a nine fifteen. And so, you know, and, and we're watching some video now of, of you on this, on, on that final lap, you look really comfortable. So when you're running a, a steeplechase, 3000 meters, are you comfortable? Are you kind of fighting pain as you're coming around that last corner? Um, yeah, you're definitely fighting pain for sure. Um, I mean, it's yeah. The steeple, the thing about the steeple is you have to respect all of the barriers because your legs are fatigued in a different way because you're hurtling and you're, you know, pushing off of a barrier to get through the water. So there's definitely a lot of pain, but it's, um, yeah, when you know you're racing against the clock, you kind of don't think about the pain, but you just respect the barrier. And yeah, that's, that's what I can give. Yeah. This was your first outdoor title. How different is it running out there in the rain compared to the indoor titles that you've won? It's very different. You know, you have to be ready for any sort of, weather right the prelims on thursday it was really really hot and then this day it doesn't look like it in the screen but it was pouring rain and um so you, yeah it's different because you have to be ready for all different elements and you know at least on indoor track you know exactly what um what the weather is going to be like because it's in a controlled environment you know when when you step on that track i mean you Courtney, you knew you were the best out there. When you stepped when you stepped up to the line, you knew you were the best out there. What what's that like to say, hey, 
doesn't matter what the elements are because I'm the best in the rain. I'm the best in the sun. I'm just going to run this. I mean, do, do you think that way? Do you think I'm going to run this field into the ground and, and I'm going to go out there and break a record? Or, or what's that mindset when you tow that line getting ready to go? Yeah, I, I don't think I go in with that mindset. I think maybe, yeah, I mean, last year at NCAAs in outdoor, it was a similar scenario where I had the fastest time leading in. It, it looked as if I, you know, I, I was the favorite. I was um, predicted to win. It should have gone that way, and it didn't. And I ended up fourth. I ended up you know, making not the right tactics in 2021. And I also stumbled off the water jump and I ended up fourth, which is still fantastic. Um, however, nothing's guaranteed just because you've run a fast time, just because maybe you are the best out on the field and maybe you are the best on the line, but nothing's ever guaranteed. And that's a lesson that I did learn. And I felt like I learned it, um, kind of the hard way, but, um, I just had to have faith in what I can be and what I can do and faith in what like me and coach Taylor have done and in my workouts and in my training and in myself and just let faith be over fear. Question from our global live stream tonight uh, for you, Courtney, how did you get outside of your own head under so much pressure? Dr. Ketch with the question, what do you think? Yeah. So something that coach Taylor always talks about is that pressure is a privilege. If there is pressure, that means people believe in you. And it's all about how the idea of you view privilege or sorry, pressure. And um, I, it's something that I view as a privilege and it's something of an opportunity. And, um, and at the end of the day, like it's running, it's not that deep and I should have fun with it. And I, I, there's some pictures out there that there's some of me smiling in the middle of the race, but it's because <laughs> I just love it. I'm just having so much fun. And so, yeah, pressure is a privilege and, at the end of the day, like this thing has got to be fun and you've got to run with passion. And I feel like that's how you combat maybe viewing pressure in a negative light. Pressure is a privilege. I love that. And, that and, and you know what? It, it's fun to play with a target on your back where everybody, whatever it is, we're, we're, you're the target and that's fun. Now I read, I read, uh, Courtney, that you used to play soccer. And yeah. uh, if you, you look at Ashley Hatch and what she's got going on with the national team, uh, Michaela Coulihan, uh, do you think that maybe you could have done both and been a BYU soccer star and track star? Or did how hard was it to pick one? Um, yeah, so actually me and Michaela Coolahan played on the same soccer team for many years. At Davis High or in... in, uh, in, uh... in at club, oh, in club, club soccer. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we played a, a lot of years together. Like I'm, I'm thinking maybe 10 years old to 16. Were you a lot faster than her? <laughs> I, to be honest, <laughs> I have no idea. All right. So but she's uh, not on the show. So if you say yes, then that's what we'll go with. Yes. No. Um, yeah. I don't think for me, that was a possibility to be able to do both. I think, you know, there's people like, um, Avery Walker, her maiden name is Colton that played on the soccer team who ran with us. Um, you know, the end of her last year and what she did was incredible, but I don't think that was in the cards for me, but definitely deciding between the two sports was really hard. Soccer was my first love of sports. That was the first sport I was ever very, very passionate about. And I had always dreamed of being a professional soccer player. And, you know, I'd go to the U.S. Women's National Games at Rio Tinto and I, I would love it. But, um, 
that passion, once I made the decision to switch to running, um, that passion just followed. And so it was, it was a, it was a tough decision. I, I'll be honest. It was a tough decision, but, um, it was the best. Hey, I, I'm going to be total geek on these guys. Cause I remember when Avery was running at Ogden high and these guys were at Davis high and Davis high, the greatest high school institution in the state. Where all the Fowlers the great, attended the great, uh, the greatest Courtney. track program, the greatest women's soccer program. <laughs> uh, yeah. So no, I, I've been bragging about you a lot, Courtney, cause that's all of our kids went to Davis high. So we raised oh, all, our, all of our kids in Kaysville and, uh, so we're always rooting for the darts. So your parents, from what I understand, they both ran track at Weber State. Does that sound right? Uh, back in the day, uh, let's let's say it's you against your mom. Uh, you've got her times, and there's your times. Who's who's faster? Oh, I am for sure. <laughs> <laughs> However, I'm sure she would have something to say about it. Um, my first ever 3K indoors, my freshman year, I finished. And I came out, I, you know, I crossed the line and I finished my race and I walked over to my parents and my mom was like, well, I'm still faster than you. <laughs> oh, I was like, wow. Okay. In time. So I'm sure, I'm sure my mom would have something to say about it. Well, now, so Becky says that, what about your dad, Mark? What, uh, what, how, how fast was he in the day and what does he think of your national record? Um, you know, my dad was a two-time All-American, so he has his own accolades that speak for that and um you know he trained with a guy who had the collegiate record and all the things and so I you know my dad was legit um but um he's really he's just really proud he loves that it's a bond that him and I can share um and I think he's just super proud he's he's probably my number one fan so is that right that's awesome yeah Hey. Well, be nice to your mom when you go in and you say, "Hey, all Americans in the kitchen." Just know that's 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 going to leave her out. So hey, and, be careful uh, with that. Courtney, I, and you've had great coaching <laughs> from your from your your folks and at, and at Davis High, and then you you've referenced Coach Taylor a, a couple of times, um, and uh, boy, she has really had taken this our the women's track program at BYU to to the next level for sure. What has she meant to you as a coach and to this program? Because I was watching her reaction as you were coming over that that last barrier, I think she would have just jumped out on the track and ran right alongside, almost did actually in the stands. What's it like to, to work with coach Taylor? It's, it's incredible. Honestly, coach Taylor, um, she has so much love inside of her and she genuinely loves this team. She loves this sport and she has so much passion and belief and it runs deeper than running. Um, Yes, she is so good at pulling out potential and she is so good at believing in people in the highs and in the lows of the sport, but it runs deeper than that. She's so involved in um, our personal lives. And I think that's why we have a lot of success the way I, she, she always says like, well, I'm not a magician, but she is, she, there is <laughs> magic surrounding coach Taylor and the energy, the love, the passion, the faith, the the belief, like it's unmatched. It, it quite honestly is just unmatched. And that's why you're seeing what you're seeing from BYU women's distance is, you know, it, it starts at the top and she has set a very great example for all of us to look at and try to emulate ourselves. Courtney Wayman's with us on the wise guys. Couple more questions. And we sure glad that you've carved out some of your Tuesday with us. Let's talk about your road to the Olympics. There's a couple of things that have to happen, uh, including next week when you're back at the uh, outdoor track and field championships. 
on the same track that you just dominated on. So there's this one, then there's another one, and then and then there's something else. Walk us through the steps as you chase your dream here. Yeah, so um, next week I will race at USA's. Um, prelims are on Friday. Is that the 24th, I believe? Yes. Um, next, yeah, next Friday. Um, and, you know, it's similar to NCAAs where you have to um, make it to the finals. So you have to, I'm sure it's top five next two fastest times. So you have to be top five in your heat or the next two fastest times to make it to finals. And then you have to be top three in the finals in order to make the world team. And, you know, um, it is a goal of mine and, you know, it's the first step, but nothing's guaranteed. Like I know I've run fast and I know that I've had success, but nothing's guaranteed. And so you'd have to go down into the race and think like, I'm just going to give my best. And that's, that's what I can offer. So. Well, you're about to turn pro and Blaine and I can both attest that it's fun to get paid doing what we love, uh, as opposed to working through it at a scholarship. And there's NILs and all that stuff, but it's not quite the same. How close are you to uh, uh, to heading to the bank on this on the two feet that you have? Um, so I can't speak too much on it quite yet, um, but um, yeah, here in the next uh, here in the next bit, hopefully in the next week, there you know my social media will have some announcements so all right nice that sounds good fastest woman in america right here and the yeah. fastest american in the world by i think two seconds for this year um you we're not even making that stuff up we'll make stuff up on this show but we'll tell you when we're about to do it those are all facts uh, we're proud yeah. of you oh no and I, i'm hey i'm i'm sending out to, to courtney emma colleen and jenny courtney wayman's coming after you she's gonna her resume is gonna look better than any <laughs> of those when she's all when it's all said and done Hey, when you when you continue in the big time and take it to the next level, we'd we'd love to have you back on the Wise Guys, and we wish you nothing but the absolute best moving forward. And a great representative of BYU and and all that it stands for. So congratulations. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate. You we guys. only have national champions on, so so you fit well, you right have in. A phenomenal one coming up. Action <laughs> is awesome. Courtney, so I'm pe- excited. people are asking um, out there in the in in the world. What's your socials? There's like, like, how can they follow you? Where, where do they follow you? Yeah. So my social media, it's all the same. It's at courts of sport 20. Um, and it's Courtney Wayment for most things, but Courtney Wayment Smith for like Instagram and Facebook. So. Okay. Nice. Okay. We'll let the world connect Every, with you. Everybody give her a follow awesome. and watch her. Thank so. you. Have a great night. Thanks, Thanks Courtney. All right. Yeah. Ashton Reiner, the other national champion from the BYU track and field team is going to join us here in just a sec. She's ready. Ashton, you got us? Yeah, she. we can't see Ashton yet. Well, she pumps up. We're, 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 we're going to see her right So she won the national title in the Javelin, BYU's first. This, this is a national championship-themed show tonight. Yeah, yeah. We, you cannot come on this show unless you, you're a national <laughs> champion. So not only was is she a national champion, BYU's first men's or women's Javelin title in school history. Hey, there she is. First women's outdoor field national title since 1992. Also a first-team All-American and uh, with the national title. And, hey, are you okay that Courtney was the warm-up band and now we have the main event? Is that, a, is that how we'll do this, Ashton? <laughs> oh, gosh. I think she's the main event, but <laughs> sure. Yeah, it, it was fun. Court, it, was, it was fun to talk to Courtney. We're, we're really excited. As you mentioned, Dave, the first ever – javelin national champion 
for, for BYU. What's that like? What's that feel like? Um, I actually didn't know that I was the first until they told me right after. So I was like, oh, like this is kind of a big deal. So and it was an even bigger deal for my coach, Nick. So I thought that was really cool. It is a big deal. And you threw the javelin, what, 58.2 meters on your first throw. And we talked a little bit earlier today on BYU Sports Nation, how you felt as that left your hand. And, and when, it, when it stuck in the ground down there, you knew that that was probably going to be enough to win the title? Yeah, I knew. Um, I was like, wow, that felt good. I didn't know how far it landed because it's kind of hard to tell. But once I saw my family – and then my coach and my teammate freaking out. I was like, "Oh, that was a good throw." <laughs> and and then how many how many throws did you get? And and we're and by the way, we're watching that first throw in video. I don't know if you can see it too, Ashton. Yeah, I can but, see it. So, yeah. so what are you thinking right here? Yeah, as you're talk taking to us it. about the whole thing. Take us through this. So why I go backwards is because I used to do long jump. So I do that to set myself up. And then I used to be very like fast with it, but I learned to slow down so I can contain my power um, and control my power so I don't lose my flight. Um, so that little, that, little back, thought, that little back step you're talking about, you lean back like when you used to run the, run the runway to, for, for a long jump. And, yes. And then you release the, the javelin here about two feet before the line. So if you were right on the line, uh, uh, you would have won by... <laughs> Two feet more, which is hard to yeah. imagine. Ashton, what was that sigh? You just went, Ugh. when he said you were two feet behind keep, the line. I keep thinking that. I keep thinking I should have been close to that line. <laughs> but it's okay. Better than scratching. Hey, you got next yeah. year to defend your title, and so now you know that you already know where you can get two more feet. Yes, So exactly. Ashton, I don't, were we talking yesterday or the day before? I can't remember when you and I were talking. Was it yesterday? Over yesterday. at the field? Yeah. yeah. So we are talking yesterday, and I was asking about – Olympic hopes and all those kinds of things and about the upcoming worlds. And, and you were telling me you're breaking down your throw and saying, no, Blaine, I can, I can get more distance. There's some things that I need to fix. So, so tell us about that. Like you, you were very meticulous and kind of breaking down what you need to do to get it out there and be an Olympic competitor. Yeah. So I need to build more speed. I needed to, sometimes when I put more speed into it, I lose my flight. I lose my tip and it like goes straight in the air instead of like forward. So I need to work on that, but I still want to add a little more speed into it. I need to stay a little bit more closed and be more patient with the javelin and let my hips come through before my, my arm. Um, I know I can get stronger. There's just like so many things that I know I can do to be better next year. So that's, Really cool to know. One thing you do know you can do is come back from things. Uh, when we think of Tommy John surgery, we think of pitchers. But after yeah. your first throw, what as a sophomore, um, you needed Tommy John surgery to continue your career. What was that like and your comeback? And then as you now are a national champion, kind of the full circle of, of, of your dream. Yeah, so when I got – when I tore it, I knew I tore my UCL. Like it was like a pop and then a burn. And I was like, Oh, this is not a good feeling. So we shut it down. And then we found out I needed Tommy John and I thought I was done, but then we did a ton of research and people that have Tommy John come back a lot stronger. So I was super excited. So, um, it was, it was almost like, I think it was like a 14 month recovery came back throwing it 11 months. And then COVID hit. 
And I was like, are you kidding? I didn't have, I didn't have to push that hard. I didn't need to push my elbow that hard. So I still have some elbow issues, but I know it's stronger. And then last year I PR'd by five meters. So that's really, really good. Um, That's an understatement. By five meters. That's all. (laughs) Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot. Um, And then, and then I, I got really sick. Couldn't hold my weight at all. Like I'm saying, I like to compete at like 160 pounds. I was like 130, still dropping weight, couldn't gain weight, couldn't gain muscle. Like it was insane. And I'm always in the weight room and I still couldn't just gain any muscle. So um, I ended my season at regionals, which was so sad because I was supposed to place like top four at nationals. So coming back, finally got healthy. I'm finally healthy. I knew once I was able to get healthy, I was going to be able to really compete. So this year I've been super blessed to be super healthy. Um, so now that I won that title, it's so nice to know that like all that hard work paid off, like all the comebacks I had to endure paid off. So that was super amazing. Well, now you're ready to go on the speaking tour as well yes, to motivate young about- athletes who've got some challenges. <laughs> Ashton knows how to deal with hard things. So Ashton, so, so you and I have known each other for a while and, and, and please tell Dave who your favorite gym buddy is. You. Yes. Definitely you. I She's thought like, it was going to be Lane. No, I didn't know you were no, going to go right to Blaine. Lane. Lane's ir- he's, he's inconsistent. <laughs> he's overworking out with the football team. So, so yes. those that don't know Ashton's husband's Lane Lunt, who's a fine tight end on BYU's football team. So he comes once in a while, but it's you and me. All right, let me get to a, let me get to a question here. It's about you and me in the gym, but Ashton, no, I, I want to wait. I want to tell you something though. When she was sick, and was 130. I asked her. I said, "So what? So what's going to go on?" And she goes, "You know what? Who cares about the Olympics in China? I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to come back, and I'm going to go to the Olympics in Paris." That's what she said to me when she was 130. Pretty mm-hmm. cool. That is cool. Here's another question about the gym. Uh, is it true? Does Blaine still wear shirts that are super tight so that his guns look bigger than they actually are? And and then does he ask you how many times does he ask you if he looks fat or not? Oh my gosh! I think you look great in those shirts. Okay, <laughs> thank you. He's always on the bike, biking, you know, and then going to lift. But you look great in those shirts. That's don't my worry. girl right there. Ash is my girl. So Just I, said all the right things. One one thing that you said that that I want people to hear, and and how, you're you're how are you five eleven six feet? Probably six feet. Oh, I'm 5'10". So you're 5'10". So so Ashton's 5'10". And Ashton just said she likes to compete at 160 pounds. And Ashton is lean. Like, she's lean at 160 pounds. So all these little stick people that are out there and think that that's awesome, I think Ashton's awesome when she's 160. And that's a good role model for for women all over that that, um, she works hard, she's lean, and 160. I love that you just throw it out there. That hey five ten one sixty, and and that's what she needs to be can compete, and I would not she she can take you and I I guarantee you that she I, I, the, I don't she think there's any beat, question Ashton can beat the crap she out can of also us. take out the Hadley brothers because now she's the most famous athlete from kind of Washington absolutely oh, yeah and, uh, absolutely so you've taken those football guys out and you can take Blaine out what about uh, uh, with Lane who's on the BYU football team what is it like for a a young couple like the two of you in uh, both athletic scholarships, both with athletic demands and also trying to have a marriage and kind of a, of a normal life. How's that, how, how's that going? 
Well, I always think I have a normal life. And then I ask like my friends that are also married, like, oh yeah, like you never see him, right? And they're like, no, it's like super weird. So when I, I wake up like six, go do my, my homework and school, and then I have practice and then I'm home. And then Lane's at practice from like 12 to seven. And then I'm still at the gym from like seven to 10. So I never see him. And then his, when he's in season, I'm on off season. And then when I'm in season, he's in off season. So we never get a vacation. I always, I told him, I feel so bad because all these, all these, um, all of his teammates are in like all on vacation with their wives. And we're here in Provo because we can't leave because I still have to train. So I remember thinking when I see all these things on Instagram of all these people, I'm like, I better freaking win because <laughs> I want to be on a beach somewhere. Don't believe half so, the stuff you see on that social media stuff. I know. Just keep doing I, what you're doing. That's You're doing great stuff. And by the way, when you guys do finally get done with, with these great athletic careers and, and start having kids, um, BYU wants them to sign national letters of intent <laughs> Right now, right, they'll have an NIL we, deal all we, figured we out. We always talk then. about the greatest athletic couples. You know, you got Bronson and Hillary, the, the Kafusis, you know, Bronson, NFL player, Collinsworth, and, and his wife, Shay. You know, yeah, Shay's a world class runner, yeah. Martinez, mm-hmm. and, and then Collins is a professional basketball player. I'll put, I'll put you and Lane up against any of them right now for, for that, for sure. So. I like that. <laughs> hey, tell us what you have coming up because uh, you you're still training because you've got you've got some big things uh, next week and and beyond uh, and how you you plan to kind of keep riding this wave of national title into the next big thing. What do you got ahead? Um, so I have USA's next next week. I throw Saturday next Saturday to try to compete for Worlds. Um, if I make the US team, I'd be super happy, but. If not, I'm not going to be too disappointed because the people that are above me have been throwing many years above me. So um, I'm excited for that. And then after USA's, I don't think I'm going to touch a javelin to like September because my body needs to rest. So yeah, I'm excited for the off season. That's great. And I think uh, we do need to, before we finish up, we Remember uh, earlier today you talked about it. Let's talk about it a little bit more. That when you um, you javelined yourself, sort of speak. Oh man! Because I said I said, hey, have you ever hit anyone with the spear? And you said yes without hesitation. Uh, and so uh, tell us about that. And 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 how dangerous of a sport is that to toss the javelin around? Um. Okay. So first, I hit myself with the javelin. We throw inside. Um, so in the winter we obviously can't throw outside it's too cold so we throw at a wall and when I threw at the wall it usually bounces back but I'm usually further back but I hit the wall really hard and I turn around to say coach that was a good one and before he could like pull me out of the way the back end of the javelin like stabbed me in the back did it pierce so, the skin yeah it pierced the skin oh my wow. god that's a, sta- a stabbing <laughs> yes all right yes. and then the other one. Oh yeah and then my teammate Paige same thing happened, bounced off the wall, hit her in the back, like same spot. So we have matching scars. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Whenever they're, they're tossing the javelin at these track meets, I'm thinking to myself, how is that a good idea or a, a safe idea? Because you're chucking it as far as you can, and there's people all over the place. Uh, have you have you seen a, a javelin really go awry and cause big trouble? 
Um, I've seen a javelin and a shot put. So one time my teammate was marking for the high school meet and it went through her leg, like her shin. Oh no. And then in high school, um, I saw a girl and she did like, she was shot putting and an old man didn't see the person that was marking. He wasn't paying attention and it hit him in the head. Oh, just went. dang. Now, yeah, I was in shock. When I saw that da- dangerous sport. See, people talk about football. That's not. That's not. Yeah, no one's throwing spears at you <laughs> no, in football. Yeah, you don't. Yeah. So. <laughs> hey, we're proud of you. How you represent BYU, and I know you're planning to come back and and uh, go try to go back to back next year as a as a national champion and lead this team that finished ninth overall. And and uh, you've mentioned before that there's a lot of youth in this group, and BYU is going to be. Rock solid for years to come in track and field. And, and when are Dave and I going to come watch you in Paris? When is that? 2024. 2024. We're, on tar- we're still on target for that, we're right? Take the show over there. Yes. We're on target for that. 2024, we're going to go watch Courtney and... We, yes. uh, yeah. We're going to watch both of you um, yes. in, in 2024 in Paris, right? Yeah. I can't definitely. wait. That's going to be awesome. We feel bad for every other guest on this show because uh, two national champions, you know, this is these, set By the, the way, tone, we, just started, the we just started this show a few weeks ago. This is the first mm-hmm. time we've had guests, and we said we can only have national champs on this show. So <laughs> so Ashton and Courtney are two national champs. They, they kick this thing off, and it's going to be all downhill from here because nobody's going to be able to match you two. Hey, and we hope you come back. We hope you come back and hang out with us. We're fascinated with your career, and congratulations again. Thank you so much, guys. All thanks, right. thanks, Ashton. See you at the gym. Yeah, see you at the gym. Yeah, yeah spot him, please. We don't need more injuries on this show. True. Thanks, Ashton. See you guys. All right. Thank you. How about that? Two national champions on the Wise Guys tonight How awesome is in that? our global live stream, and we appreciate the comments coming in uh, from all over the place. And uh, yeah, let's just think about that. That uh, those are two titles, um, and and uh, first javelin title. And then, of course, Courtney was the fastest uh, in collegiate history in the steeplechase, 3,000 meter. They're not just, those weren't just champions. Those were dominating championships. Yeah, and, well, and with her first throw, Ashton, like she said, yeah, I knew that. Like once everybody started jumping around, I knew that was a pretty good throw. I, I knew I would win it with that throw. How about that? That's how confident she was with that throw. Yeah. And, and the sky's the limit for her and for, and for Courtney, really. I will not, we, I, we're teasing Ashton a little bit because she set that as a goal. But they both have the talent and the drive that I will not be surprised if we're both cheering, we're, we're cheering both of them on the, Olymp- the next Summer Olympic Games in, in, in uh, Paris. So, Well, because of their efforts uh, during the regular season, uh, the, for the ninth time in 10 years, the WCC Commissioner's Cup comes back to BYU. The honor goes to the league's top-performing institution in conference play in the past year. And BYU topped Gonzaga by 8.5 points in the final standings. And and uh, speaking of another runner, cross-country national champion Connor Mance, the WCC Male Scholar Athlete of the Year. So as eager as the Big 12 or as BYU is to see Texas and Oklahoma move on, uh, the WCC is just excited to see BYU move on. Ninth time in 10 years. And, and we, we probably don't spend enough time talking about the depth of BYU's athletic program. And you know, football is the big sexy sport and the big revenue sport that everybody talks about, and basketball close close behind right after that. And, and yeah, you're not going to get into the Big 12 without those two marquee programs being top 20 programs. But when the Big 12 is looking at schools to add and they look at depth of programs, 
BYU's matches up with anybody in the country across the board yeah. for all of their sports, Olympic sports, all of their sports. And you're right, nine out of ten times BYU wins the Commissioner's Cup for overall sports program. And you know, and last year BYU was I'm trying to remember what they were in the Directors Cup nationally. Well, what were they number one or two through the fall? Right, and then uh, we figured Stanford would make up some ground because they got like thirty five Olympic and, sports. You know, their water polo team's great. And, you know. <laughs> so we'll see. I haven't seen the final standings there. Stanford pretty much is the wins that every every year. Every, and Texas has been really good. We'll probably find out after the College World Series. Yeah, but but BYU was right there yeah. through the fall season, right there at the top. And so this this may be when it's all said and done, especially with what they just didn't. And track and field, um, it, you know, it may be the best the best ranking for BYU overall ever. So we'll see, we'll see. Got another football quiz coming up here in a couple of minutes. That's going to be pretty cool, and we want your input. So stand by. And if you're wondering how you can interact on the live stream, you click the little purple thing down on on the screen, and that will take you to Twitch. You can sign up for free, and then you can interact with us. And that's our that's our goal is to get the whole world. Of BYU fans interacting with us on Tuesday nights. Chaplain Brett Peterson is always on every week, and he's he had a couple of ideas. He said uh, we should have an NAL deal for the for the Lunts, Ashton and, and Lane modeling baby BYU gear on an NAL deal. <laughs> but but he said based on what we were just talking about, he goes that just shows the conference was never really big enough for for BYU, right? Now Gonzaga and, was big enough for BYU, um, and that's why the the Cougars only had a few victories in, in basketball. But um, in all the other sports, uh, BYU is well represented hey, at the give, top. Give credit where credit's due. Gonzaga in basketball is one of the most dominant programs in the country. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter in, what in, league they're no, in. in the last in the last ten years, Gonzaga's as good as anybody. I mean, we're talking North Carolina, Duke, Kansas. You name any program over over the, the in recent history, Gonzaga's as good as any program in the country. So that that was rough. That BYU never won a basketball championship. Yeah. And and they they just expected to, but they hadn't won a Mountain West championship, especially a tournament since uh, McKelly Wesley was playing. Right, right, that was a long time ago. So they got some work to do. Hey, Mark Pope's got uh, a few more guys visiting campus, and uh, and we asked him uh, uh, when's the roster going to be finalized. And he goes, when I get the right pieces. And so he's still yeah. looking for a couple more and. And uh, and we met some last week, and and uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we get to see some of them when they come on campus for Indu and Sports Nation. And again, we can't mention names, but they're looking for some big guys, and we've seen some big guys on campus. Yeah, and uh, and people have come up to me and said, "Man, I'm a little worried. Isn't it too late?" But BYU has has signed people in July. Yeah, um, the last couple of years from the transfer portal have had a big impact. So no, it's not too late. You know. Still, still. Martin told us a story. You, you had a great sit down. On Sports Nation, and I wrote about it in the Deseret News, and I'm going to share a couple of paragraphs. Yeah, you got to do this. This is how this went down for Mark Pope, and we were talking about Elijah Bryant, who just finished playing for the same Turkish club that Mark Pope played for uh, back in the day uh, in, in the late 90s. So uh, a couple of things. I'm just going to share a couple of paragraphs. It's the most bizarre uh, that you can imagine. Uh, so uh, there, here we go. There are certain things that you can't unsee. For BYU basketball coach Mark Pope, his first experience in Istanbul, Turkey, remains a visual for the ages. Pope, who had just won a national championship at Kentucky, was a second-round pick by the Indiana Pacers in 1996, but he opted to leave the NBA. He wasn't going to play against that uh, Pacers roster, and, and this team in Turkey offered him a bunch of money. So he went over there, and he thought, hey, I'm getting paid to play. 
Right. How different can that be? So on his first day, he said, quote, I land in Turkey and roll in to meet the team. It was media day, and we were all in our uniforms. The team then was taken out to the courtyard where two men wearing orange jump shoots, jumpsuits walked in carrying a full-grown ram, a bucket, and a machete. Now, let's, before we go further, let's just say you're, you're in a room. In, in comes two guys in jumpsuits that are orange. They have a ram, a bucket, and a machete. What's going on through your mind? I don't, I don't think you have, like, I think you don't know what's going on. You're like, I don't know, what, what is up with this, right? That's, so, that's what you say. Yeah, I'd be like, yeah, for real. And so what happened next seemed to be a little more appropriate for an Indiana Jones movie mm-hmm. than a Meet the Team event. Quote, this is Coach Pope, we were all standing in a circle, and the two guys slit the ram's throat and collected the blood in a bucket. Then they walked to each of us, dipped their fingers in the blood, and said something in a language I didn't understand, and they wiped the blood across our foreheads. Welcome to Turkey Basketball. (laughs) He continues, quote, It was an incredible culture moment. I was like, where am I? But in good and bad ways. I'm thinking how incredible it is to be part of this. I'm also wondering if I'm going to get in trouble. Every day after that was just as much of an adventure. That back in 1996 for Coach Pope. How, how about that? How about that's that's wild. just nuts. And, and you know, you get we get a chance. Um, we stay in touch with a lot of the players that have come through the program. And, and in football, um, well, now there's two leagues. Finally, well, there's three because you could play in Canada, yeah, and you could play in in the National Football League. And, and now the there's USFL. The USFL's back. Right. That's the league that was around when I was playing. And um, and but for basketball, there's opportunities all over the globe. Basketball is a global game, and and guys can go make a significant living overseas, and they get all kinds of crazy experiences. And uh, you know, we uh, I, we were just talking. You and I were talking to Steve Trumbo not that long ago when they were um, they were honoring you and I were doing the game. The eighty one was it was the San Diego State game, wasn't it? What I game don't know. were we doing? But we were doing a big game yeah. um, in the Marriott Center. The eighty one team. They came were back. honoring that team with Danny Age and Steve Prum- Trumbo and. And Greg Kite and uh, and Freddie Roberts and uh, Steve Craig and that that whole group that was just so good, um, and uh, we we had a chance to visit with, with Steve Trumbull. It was Steve went over. He was an NBA talent, but but made an incredible living and became a legend in Spain. And uh, his wife was from there. They raised yeah. their boys there. Um, it just became part part of that culture over there. And so a lot of BYU's basketball players over the years have had Travis Hansen yeah. with Russia. Played for and orphanages over, over there yeah. that he had a hand, and in. they've had a big impact and have been great representatives of BYU and their faith. Um, all over the world have come to that basketball program and do that, and we don't hear that much about them. One of the most recent, Jimmer, is a legend in China. Yep. You know, the Lonely Wolf. Only lonely means not that he's by himself lonely. Lonely means nobody is in his category. And he was kind of lonely because yeah, because because his wife and, and kids in, were in Colorado, Colorado so. Yeah, you, what, he didn't want her just sitting at home with the kids in China yeah. while while they go on the road for three weeks at a time. So so she'd stay in Colorado um, with family. But, um, yeah, I can't remember the name in, in Chinese, but I said, what is that? And it's like, well, that's the lonely wolf. And I said, is that bad? And they go, no, no, that means he stands alone. Like nobody, nobody is his equal. He's, he's his own guy. So I like that, the lonely wolf. Hey, Cosmo in the park. It's something BYU's doing new this year. Uh He'll be in Grove Park in Vineyard, Utah, tomorrow morning, Wednesday morning, from 10 to 11. Each week he's got a different park that he's hitting in Utah, and he just shows up, does his thing, entertains the kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a way to kind of 
keep people thinking about the Cougs. So Cosmo in the Park for those folks here in Utah County. Vineyard Park, a uh, Grove Park in Vineyard. That's tomorrow. And then one other thing that kind of... It's called Grove Park? It's called Grove Park in Vineyard. That's cool. The park that I grew up playing basketball in in New York is Grove Park. There's two of them, huh? I didn't know there was a Grove Park in Utah. I'm going to have to go down there just to have a little nostalgia. See if your friends are... Like, but out but my, my Grove Park was a little different. <laughs> yeah, than I have Grove a feeling. Park. And mine had the chain nets and uh, Spike Lee come challenge you to oh, a game. Yeah, there, and yeah, and there wasn't rock and roll music playing. It was hip hop, hip hop all I'm the sure. time. I'm yeah. Sure. Hey, uh, this might have slipped past you if you're if you're not in Utah and and many on our global live stream are not. But the board of trustees announced plans to construct a new building for the College of Fine Arts and Communications. Way overdue. The current Harris Fine Arts Center. If you can remember where that is, that's going to get torn down. And then a new facility will rise from the dust with uh, completion expected in 2025. That The communications used to be down there. We did, remember when BYU went independent, we did a two-hour show from the basement of the Harris Fine yes, Arts Center. absolutely. And now we've got this awesome BYU TV building, which is second to none, but it'll serve the students and the fine arts and communications for, for a long time right there in kind of the – in the, the heart of campus, the Harris Fine Arts Center. we got to go over there. Hopefully they'll implode it, but they might just take it down brick well, by brick. And well, you, and you and I came through that program. That's where we were in our undergrad programs, um, came through that communications program at BYU Broadcasting. And and uh, so we spent a lot of uh, a lot of time there and, and are excited about this. That was a weird building, yeah. Harris Fine Arts Center. Yeah, because it also, um, you know, you've got the, uh, is it the Dion Concert Hall? Yeah. And like, so there's multiple theaters in that building, and... Hey, if you if you're a BYU student, you've gone to something there, as as part of your humanities class or whatever it was. You know, our kids, our daughter Libby was in in multiple things there, and the music, dance, theater program there. Um, so there's a lot of great things that happen in that building, a lot of great talent that's come through that building, um, and now they're going to give them brand new facilities. It'll be I, awesome. I think it's great. All right, it's nine o'clock on the East Coast. It's time for the Wise Guys Football Quiz. DJ, can you turn up the music for just a moment to set the tone? This is called Tone Setting. I got a lot of questions for you and a lot of questions for you on our live stream. And, uh, okay, all right, I think we've cleansed the palate. You know how they sometimes they'll bring out, like, some sorbet or whatever? No, DJ's going to do some hip-hop. And, and he you, promised me he's going to find some hip-hop They say it cleanses me. the palate, so then all the food that comes out after that. Next week, great. we have a hip-hop theme instead of rock. Okay, all right. We'll I, I, I don't America's know one word to an ACDC song. First of all, you know that's not true, but <laughs> but we'll move, but we'll move on. That, that is that, that is the most ACDC's, untrue thing Blaine's ever said ACDC on this show. What's the best ACDC song of all time? You, you, uh, you, all of you out there, what's the best ACDC song of all time? Because the, the most popular would be "Back in Black." Oh yeah, I forgot about that. I uh, that one. For those about the rocks, good one. Um, Highway to Hell is a pretty good one. Oh, I um, you Highway shook to me all night long is usually in all the sports Dang arenas. It, yeah, I forgot you know about all that. those. Yeah, I, okay. I Shoot to Thrill. That. that was in a, a couple of uh, Iron Man movies. That's a classic. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. when when uh, when I saw them, Jack, is that you saying Shoot to Thrill? When, yeah. yeah, so Jack saying Shoot. When to I thrill. saw them at the Thomas and Mack Center. Um, so I had some friends in Vegas. We pointed that out. Yes. And Darren Libanani was running the arena. And um, we always joked that, hey, when ACDC comes, I go, don't have them come on a Sunday. Have them come on another day of the week because I'm not coming on a Sunday. And, uh, and then one day I'm, I'm over at Channel 8 where I'm anchoring the sports and phone rings late at night. And uh, I pick it up and he goes, hey, uh, I've got the band. What about Thursday, whatever the date? 
just asking me that. I'm going, he goes, will that work for you? I go, I think that'll work fine. He goes, you can get off work that night. Yeah. So we booked the band and then we sat in the suite. I couldn't get my wife to go. She wasn't about to go down there and I couldn't get any of my neighbors. I didn't you, call you, you. I should have. No, you did call me. I well, you couldn't come, come. My brother said I should have called them. I didn't. I didn't call them. I, they're in Utah. I finally got a guy in my elders' quorum. I said, "Hey, just come with me." We sat in the suite. We ate nachos and drank Pepsi, and there was ACDC. It was like, and then after the concert, we walk out, and it's like the night of the living dead. Oh, just yeah. zombies walking around. It's like the, it's stone. But yeah. they uh, they were stone they were City. awesome. I don't know how that guy screams and keeps his voice, but hey, but but there, uh, case in point, we talked a couple. I weeks love ago "Don't Stop Believing" about, by ACDC. Isn't that the, journey? Dave being the greatest hookup guy of all times, the Dave, greatest ACDC golf doesn't do cover songs. Yeah, ACDC doesn't do "Don't Stop Believing." That's on. like who is that journey? Yeah, that's journey. That's journey. Come on. So, um, <laughs> by the way, journey when they came to remember when big bands used to come to the Marriott Center? Yeah. I was there for the Frontiers tour. Yeah, Journey came through to the Marriott Center. Brian Adams was there. I was band. I was living at the Whittingham's house with <laughs> Kyle and Carrie and those guys. So I was like Utah's a eighth grader, and we were sulking that we couldn't afford Journey tickets. And Nancy Whittingham, the mom of head coach Kyle Whittingham, says, "Quit sulking, get in the car." And we go okay. So we go out and get in the car. She drives us down. She goes, "We're going in." We go, "We don't have tickets." She goes. You need to learn in this world that if you act like you know what you're doing, you can go anywhere you want. We go, okay. And she walks us right in, right past the ushers, and we go in and we watch the, the last hour of the Journey concert without tickets because Nancy Whittingham told us. And I've been using that method for yeah, a lot of years. I know. The one thing that you and I have learned, if you put on a suit and tie and put makeup on. People don't mess with you. No, they just let you go wherever you want. It's like. It must, must be the broadcasting crew. Yeah, you, guys come, you guys stay back. You guys go That's ahead. how Dave and I go to jazz game. We do whatever we want. Put, put a suit and tie on, put a little makeup <laughs> on, and say, seriously, would somebody just try to come in here with makeup on and a suit? And a suit at a basketball game. If they weren't game. broadcasting this no. game, they go, yeah, you're right. Go ahead. Now, if you guys want to try that, let us know how it goes. Uh, <laughs> see if you can get into game six tomorrow night in Boston by putting on a suit and some makeup and see what happens. <laughs> Doobie Brothers at the Marriott Center, yes. I think that might have been the last concert, the Doobie Brothers. There might have been an incident on stage. Yep, yep. Um, I saw Hall & Oates at the Marriott they're, Center. They're Doobie Brothers in like 1978-ish. Yeah, Hall & Oates. Could have been. I saw Elton so, John there. saw Christopher Cross there, Kenny Loggins. I saw Air Supply there. They were great. We, we need to talk because now we have hookups with the guy that runs the Marriott Center. But, yeah, but, but there's no concert. There's no chance that there's a concert coming to the Marriott Center anytime. And Scott so. just laughs at us as we, yeah. as we say we that. We say, Scott, how about? And he's like, no, that's not happening. <laughs> so. Okay, here we go. Our Wise Guys football quiz. We had a lot of fun last time, and uh, we've waited deep into the show. We had to get through our national champion interviews, uh, and it was great to have Ashton and Courtney on live with us here on the Wise Guys. So everyone out there on the stream, get ready. I'm going to ask Blaine a question. We'll wait for your answer. And then Blaine will give his answer, and uh, and we'll go from there. And by the way, if you're if you're out there and you haven't figured out how to be part of the stuff that's scrolling down here, how do they do that again, Dave? Like, they have to sign There's up. There's a to purple be able box to... that you you click on at the bottom, and it takes you to Twitch, and then you sign up for and free, and, and it doesn't cost anything, and, and they're then, not. And then they you don't join the stream. You. They don't stalk you. You can get on there and say, "Hey, uh, such and such." Uh, and you can answer, actually, you can answer each other's questions. Right. And when we get into the season, we're talking about opponents that we just played or are about to play. That's going to be huge. Yeah. And then, and, and we're, we're working with Twitch to get, um, what's, what's, what's it called? 
guys Jackson and Jack and like the Insta polls or. Yeah, we're yeah, going to we, have Insta we, polls probably yeah, next that, week. Yeah, that kind of stuff. So, like, right in, like, we can actually send polls out there, and you can just click on on the multiple choice. And, and you can get to the podcast, by the way, at ysguys.com. Yeah. We a question. So, we're trying. We're, we're, hey, we're get we're going to get better at this, and, and uh, we want you guys to be part of it. So, tonight's, sign up. Tonight's poll question or, uh, quiz is better than last week's quiz. We had some tough questions last week. Yeah, these are We had and, the quarterback quiz. this is multiple positions. We moved into uh, receivers and running yeah, backs. This is multiple positions. So we're ready for everybody. Uh, I'm ready. DJ, you ready? DJ is ready. Okay, question number one. Are you ready? I'm ready. You clean, you've, you've cleared the... Mm-hmm. You, I know you got a lot of things going on in your head. I need you to clear it out. I'm good. At, I got this. Well, the whole ACDC thing <laughs> throw me for a loop. If, if you would have played some Snoop... I'd be laser. I'd be ready, just laser. Yeah, yeah, you and me both. All right. It's third and goal from the 14-yard line. You're throwing to the corner of the end zone. Who's your receiver? Is it A, Cody Hoffman, B, Glenn Kozlowski, C, Andy Boyce, D, Reno Mahe? It's third and goal from the 14. You're throwing to the corner of the end zone. Now, as you ponder things, uh, let me throw a couple of stats at you. Cody Hoffman cut 33 touchdowns, school record. Mm-hmm. Glenn Kozlowski, 23 touchdowns, who you threw to. Mm-hmm. Andy Boyce, 15 touchdowns. Reno Mahe, 11 touchdowns. They all had a bunch of yards and a bunch of catches. So I see a Johnny Harleen, which is not on That's the list. Not Thank on you. The list. Here's a Boyce. Wait, people are making fun of me. They're saying Blaine is asking how the internet works. Ha ha. Like, I know. You, like, remember, like, remember I had that idea about. Where you take a picture and you put it on the line. Remember that? Yeah. And yeah. you said that's already a thing called Snapchat? It was already a thing. No, that's, from, that's from, what is that movie? That's from the internship. Oh, yeah. Yeah, where he's from like, the no. interns. Like the Vince, interns. Va- Vince Vaughn's like, no, and you put it on the line instead of online. They're like, <laughs> no, it's not on the line, it's online. I know how to use the internet. Quit picking on My me. grandkids know how to do this better than I do. All right, so. third and goal from the 14. You're throwing to the corner of the end zone. Hoffman, Kozlowski, Boyce, or Mahe, who are you throwing to? Okay, so I'm, it's not going to be Reno Mahe because he's a shorter receiver. But if I was going to throw a screen on, on the goal line, and make in I needed somebody to make like nine people miss. I would throw it to Reno. So it's not vote it's, for it's Kozlowski not as you're talking. Somebody says Glenn Kozlowski. He's a great choice because Glenn's vertical jump was just ridiculous. And remember that touchdown he got in the back of the end zone against Michigan. He he caught it with one hand and he, it was almost sideways. And then somehow he got a foot in. For I can't a believe how high he jumped. He jumped up as high as the crossbar, and I still am convinced that Robbie was throwing the ball away. And then Robbie came over. I'm like, dude, you were throwing the ball away, and Glenn caught it. He goes, no, it wasn't. And then, and then Glenn comes over and goes, dude, were you throwing that away? Because I caught it. I'm like, see, that's what I'm talking about. Kozlowski right was amazing. And then Hoffman. So, so, so that great vertical. But, but I'm going to go with Cody on okay. this one. As much as I love my boy Kaz, um, and I love Andy Boyce and Reno too, but I'm going to go with Cody because the, he's just so, he's so big and so physical that if, if we're going to throw a corner route where it's going to be up in the corner and he's yeah. got to go out jump somebody not physical. We saw somebody. him do a lot of that. He's, he's as good as BYU's ever had at that. So In fact, he caught the corner touchdown against Boise State to set the record. So, And they're going, Harleen is the correct answer, even though he's not on there. <laughs> the, the most epic one-on-one battle I've, I've ever seen at BYU was when they decided Eric Weddle was going to cover Johnny Harleen all over the field all game long. Yeah, That thing was awesome. And Harleen won a few battles, and Eric won a few battles. That was so fun. That was great against great. Question number two tonight. 
That was just an appetizer for yeah, some of these. There you go. Now it's first and 10 from the 50. You're throwing deep against single coverage. Mm-hmm. Who are you throwing to? A, Austin Collie. B, Todd Watkins. C, Margin Hooks. Or D, Puka Nakua. You're throwing deep this from the is, 50. Collie, Watkins, Hooks, or Puka Nakua. Now, Nakua doesn't have the stats of those other three, but he's only had one year. But we saw what he can do with a deep ball. Yeah, I, I'm in, interested in what they think. So this is deep one-on-one. Collie, uh, yeah, single coverage. Watkins, Hooks, Nakua. And, uh, and There's a vote for Puka right Cha- there. Cha- Chaplin is saying uh, Puka. Yeah. He's... I think Puka showed everybody what he could do against one of the most veteran secondaries in the country in a top five team. He just he made Baylor look ridiculous out there. Yeah, and looking forward to seeing them reunited but, on September tenth. Just, just because he still has something to prove, I'm going with Austin Collie. Austin Collie. I've never seen a guy be able to get more separation. And let's remember, not only was Austin Collie ridiculous in college, and as good as there was. He became Peyton Manning's number one target, and mm-hmm. before he got the, the concussions, and he was he was on a Pro Bowl trajectory. I mean, Austin was special, 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 and and I have to say the Puka's reminding me of Austin, and he's got a couple years left to go, and he's he he may be able to overtake that spot in my mind right now. Though I got to go with a proven entity, and that's Austin Collie. Collie had uh, over thirty two hundred yards receiving, thirty touchdowns. He got two hundred and fifteen balls. Uh, margin hooks, twenty eight hundred and forty one yards, fourteen touchdowns. A thought coming in that he was uh, terribly uh, underrated, underappreciated. Margin hooks, he was something. But Todd Watkins on the deep ball was amazing, blazing, blazing speed. Like yeah. he was, he was one of BYU's greatest speedsters of all time, and just go run past people. Margin also had great speed. I'm going to ask um, you this question a year from now after Puka has another season. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If, we'll if, see. One more season, I may, I may put Puka right there. Right now, Austin still holds that place in my heart. Um, p- people are like, Puka's a great. What's that mean? A great ouch guy. Um, and then, and Mar actual saying, Collie's agreeing with us. Puka's a ball hawk. I, I'll, yeah. Puka will just go take it from people. He's he's been covered and just takes it from people. I and love remember, uh, we talked about it a lot on on BYU TV. Uh, Puka didn't have last spring, uh, and and didn't really have the fall camp. And remember, he was out for the uh, opener against Arizona uh, with a hamstring. And and he had told us that it was so significant to be in spring ball this year where he can get his timing down for the deep ball with Jaron Hall. And they're now doing it in drills. They're going to do it in fall camp. And so you got all this stuff, and I think we're going to see the long ball like we haven't seen oh, yeah. in years. And Jar- Jaron's got a big arm, yeah. so he can get it over the top of people. Puka can get by people. And then even if he's covered, I mean, I, I felt this way about Glenn. <clears throat> and if I felt if Glenn was one-on-one and I was in the game, to me, one on well, it doesn't even matter where he is. One-on-one, Glenn's open. It's like he's, he's just going to win. He, he won't let the ball get intercepted. There's a really, really high probability he's coming down with it if I put it in a decent spot. You, you say the same for Puka. If Puka's one-on-one, he's win, He's going to win. Yeah. Just throw him the ball. He's going to win. Okay, here comes another question in our BYU Football Wise Guys quiz. It's second down and 10 at your own 30-yard line. You're going to throw a quick slant that's going to go for a touchdown. So it's going to go 70 yards. Who's going to catch the pass? Mark Bellini, Michael Reed, 
Eric Drage, or Mike Cronister. We're going old school on a couple yeah. of these. And p- p- if people don't remember Mike, I, such a physical, fast, really, really good receiver, Mike Cronister. 2,222 yards and 21 touchdowns. Yep. Drage had... 20, Drage had over 3,000 yards oh, yeah. receiving, yep. 29 touchdowns. Michael Reed, over 1,600 yards and 10 scores. And then Mark Bellini, 2,429 yards, 23 touchdowns. And Bellini was, uh, he was, he was tough. That yeah. the back uh, reminds me of the Miami game. Yeah, and so, I, so, so Mark, I'm going to go with, well, this is hard. We got Drage, vote it, in for if, Drage. If, if it was a post-cross route or a curl, I love the way Eric Drage used to set people up. It's like one of the great route runners, and he would just always get great separation off of the break. Mike Cronister, I like his size and his physicality. Michael Reed, also long and, and could go get it. But I don't know that Mark Bellini has one of the best releases off the line of scrimmage that I can ever remember at BYU. His quickness and his ability to get people's hands off him. So if they came up and play, even if they like press coverage, yeah. he's going to get off press coverage and be open on, on a slant. So good at that. This is kind of his specialty. And so because of that, I'm going to go with Mark Bellini. I've been comfortable to throw a slant to any of these guys. Drage, I think, had but, a 97-yarder against oh, Utah. You, you, chose the route. you chose the route, and you chose slant. Yeah. And because of that route, I'm going Mark Bellini. Okay. All right. So. Another vote for Bellini. A couple of them. Okay, how about now it's fourth down and seven. You got a little pressure here. You're at the opponent's 40. You're going to throw for eight yards and pick up the first down. So you're going for it on fourth and seven. You need it. You need eight yards. You get eight yards. Who'd you throw to? Phil Odell. Oh. Jay Miller. Mm, Dax man. Milne. Or Chuck Cutler. You, you got to get like... Some of the numbers for these guys. Yeah, look at Odell. 183 so, catches, 2,548 yards, 25 touchdowns. Jay Miller, 115 catches for 1,326 yards, 8 touchdowns. But he caught 22 passes I, against New Mexico I, in 73. I remember that game. And Jay went and was a college football coach. Jay was the, co- was the receivers coach at Brown University, Ivy League, Back when I was in high school, oh, yeah? and called me and 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 wanted me to come play at Brown, said we're going to throw it all over the place like BYU. He knew I was going to BYU. Dax Milne, who really came on, 101 catches, over 1500 yards, 11 touchdowns, and then Chuck Cutler was very reliable, 97 catches, over 1400 yards, and 13 touchdowns. You only need it's fourth and seven. You get eight yards. So who caught the ball? I, I love I love how you like you've given me. On a fourth and seven, you're like, I got to throw it to the most sure-handed guy. Yeah, um, that's just going to come down with this. I just need him to run an eight-yard route. Th- these four are all unbelievable hands. You know, I-, I I love that. I'm I'm gonna go with this is crazy. I'm gonna go with Phil Odell. He just a pure. I feel like Phil Odell would go down to nine yards, push the defender off. And come back and get the ball and get a first down. Phil's a really physical receiver, and in tight quarters, I I, I think I like I like Phil on that. Phil Odell was my Pony League baseball coach. Is that right? After the year we won the state championship, Kent Sunberg uh, retired, and in came Phil Odell and and his boys. And I didn't really love it because all the guys that came in with the staff replaced us in the infield, uh, and so that wasn't the greatest season, but. 
but that was Phil Odell. Um, I think I would go with Jay Miller. I know you went with yeah, Odell, no, but Jay, Jay Miller Jay was, was, everything inside. was like, awesome. He could catch, like what we say about good receivers, like this guy's so good he can catch BBs in the dark. Like if you can catch BBs in the dark, you're gifted, right? And I feel like Jay Miller could catch BBs in the dark. Now look, for the first four hey, questions, got, have, you've answered people, A on all four we, of them. We've got people, we, um, Mark Axel says, I don't know all these old guys, so I'm going with Dax. And that's a good choice. That's <laughs> right. a good choice. On, lead, read up on your history but, a little but, bit. But come on, Linehan on a fake punt? Come on. <laughs> Somebody said Is let Linehan uh, yeah. chiming in. It's no Linehan, fake punt run. Um, and I do like people are agreeing. Odo grabbed everything. Cutler, uh, sure hands. Yeah, it's – but, but I'm, I'm going to go with Phil. On this. Have okay. I gone A on every one? Yes, you have. Okay. Let's see if you do it here. No, we're going to break this up. First down and 10. Well, that's that's not fair to uh, the A recipient. So you just pretend no, the others didn't uh, happen. Okay, we'll pretend they didn't happen. First but, and 10. A, okay, you go through it. First and 10 at the opponent 35. You're going to throw down the sideline for a touchdown. So you're going to the sideline. Who's your target? Golden Richards, played for the Dallas Cowboys. Danny Plater, Andy Boyce, or Austin Colley. You're going down the sideline. You're at the 35. So you don't need blazing speed. There's only 35 yards. You need someone who can go up and get it. Golden Richards, Danny Plater, Richards, uh, now remember, Richards played when we weren't throwing the football over the place, mm-hmm. but he had 50 for 799 yards and two touchdowns, went on to the NFL. Plater was playing when McMahon was tossing it everywhere. He had over 1,900 yards and 16 touchdowns. Andy Boyce, sure-handed, 1,900 yards plus and 15 touchdowns. And Austin Colley in 2008 alone, 200 and, what, 106 catches, over 1,500 yards, and 15 touchdowns. You're throwing down the sideline. Yep, yep. See, everybody's like, Collie, 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 I think I think I know where you're and, going. And well, and I, I would go Collie on this, probably. But, um, and Golden Richards, the reason Golden Richards made it into the NFL because he was one of the most phenomenal punt return, kick return guys in college football. And he went and did that for, not only did he play at the receiver position and make some big plays for the Cowboys, but also one of the premier punt returners mm-hmm. in the National Football League. So Golden, go get deep and run by people. I'm going to read your mind here. I think you're going Plater. I'm going Danny Plater. No. In, in honor of my guy, Danny Plater. You told the story last week of how Danny didn't want me to throw to him because he was like a big timer. He was a big and shot. I was a freshman. He was a big shot. He could catch. He was a physical guy. And da- Danny was one of the top hurdlers in the old WAC conference. Great speed, long, physical. I'm going. I'm just going to go with Danny Plater on this one just because Austin's too obvious on this one. Okay, we got some tight end questions coming up. So... Those of you who thought Harleen, <laughs> I like how with us. Robbie calls him Aston C Money. That's Austin Collie, Austin C Money. Here's a tough one. Fourth down at the fifty, you're going to throw a hail mary to the end zone. Who's going to catch it? Mitch Matthews, Clay Brown, Cody Hoffman, or Glenn Kozlowski? Hoffman and Kozlowski are back in the mix. Matthews and Brown, first time mentions in the quiz tonight. We know that Brown caught a bomb. We know Matthews caught a bomb. We know Hoffman caught a bunch of bombs. And Kozlowski had 23 touchdowns. So who's going to catch your Hail Mary pass? So we've got to remember, like, so Mitch Matthews, he caught a Hail Mary at from, Nebraska. from Tanner Mangum when you and I were right there on the goal line to watch it. Our only question was, did he get it in? Right. Did the football cross the line? Because he caught it right on, on the line. Um, so... So that he's definitely in the mix on this one. Mitch is like six six. Clay Brown has a hail mary. In the Clay Brown in the Holiday Bowl, Bowl nineteen eighty, one of the craziest football games I've I've ever seen. 
I was at a Deacon's Corn party. Where were you at? You were back home. I was watching. sitting watching with my dad. It was the middle of the night in New York, and I was actually On the- wavering whether I was going to go to BYU or going to stay home and go to Pittsburgh or Penn State. I think it was the Mislu Network. Yeah, and and <laughs> and they came back from twenty down in like two minutes and something. And when Clay caught that ball, I turned to my dad and I go, "What am I even talking about? I gotta go." They just threw the ball like fifty-five times in this game. I need to go to BYU. So that was, was that good. was the catch. That was a big one. That's the catch that closed me. So and, and then you got Hoffman with thirty-three Co- touchdowns. We've already established if you got him in the corner of the end zone, it's the guy you want. And, and Glenn, he caught some amazing fingertip bombs. And Glenn, who seemed to come up with everything, no matter who was on him. But we got I, a I'm, vote I'm, for Brown. We got a vote for Mitch. What are, you, what are you going to do? I'm going to go with Clay Brown because I think it's the biggest Hail Mary catch in BYU history. He, he's proven. He's a proven guy in the middle of a giant crowd. And, and I'll never forget that they were saying to Lavelle Edwards, isn't it interesting? It's called a Hail Mary, which is kind of a Catholic phrase, right? Yeah. And you got a Catholic quarterback in, in Jim McMahon who throws it to a Catholic tight end and Clay Brown. And they complete it. And then Lavelle said, yeah, but what you guys are forgetting, that just tied the game up. The game winner was the kick. By a return missionary. By a return missionary. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right. Okay, now look. Now these are going to get really hard. Those were easy ones. Okay. Here we go. Was Think of Kirk, all the great tight ends. Was it Kirk Gunther that kicked that through? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was Gunther. I think Kirk, I think Kirk yeah. kicked it through. I just saw him today at the gym. Not the same time as Ashton, but I just saw I saw a card at the gym. You in the gym. It's third down and 15, and you're going to throw over the middle. Mm. Which tight end is your target? So a, Dennis Pitta. You made it the t- Remember, I told you I was Eric Drage is the guy I want over the middle, but this you don't is have the, him. No, he's you not in this group. Okay. Johnny Hyleen, Chris Smith. Oh, my goodness. Or Gordon Hudson. Oh, my goodness. Dennis Pitta, over 2,900 yards and 21 touchdowns. Harleen over 1,717 touchdowns. Chris Smith, just eight touchdowns, but he had over 2,300 yards as Detmer throwing to him. And then Gordon Hudson, Steve Young's tight end, 2,400 and change and 22 touchdowns. You just need 15 yards over the middle. It's third and 15. Dennis Pitta, Johnny Harleen, Chris Smith, or Gordon Hudson. We got a lot of Pittas. Coming uh, and, in. And, and, and Gordo, remember, Gordon Hudson was a consensus first-team All-American. Steve Young calls him the greatest, one of the greatest football players, if not ever. the best football player ever and, at and BYU. He, and he was going to be a superstar in the NFL, the softest pair of hands I've ever seen on any receiver. Um, and then, remember, he he got hit when he was playing with the Seahawks in his rookie season and yeah. fractured his forearm and lost feeling from ner- – like, it was just – Never the same. It, never the same after that. Um all of these guys were chain mover. I call them chain movers. It's third down, and you have to have a first down. Anything seventeen yards or under, just just finding these guys. How many times did we see Max Hall just go? I don't even care who's covered. I just throw it to Dennis Pitta. It's third and nine. I'm just throwing it to Dennis Pitta. Yeah, you hardly. couldn't stop it. And, and Smith was Detmer's get out of jail free you could, card. You couldn't stop it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and Steve Young. Things are getting all tight, looking at where he's just like, I don't care. I'm just throwing it to Gordon or to Casey Tiamalo, the fullback out of the backfield. But Gordon Hudson was the guy just like all these guys were were safety safety blankets for the quarterbacks they played with. Great list. But I'm going to agree with all our guys out here. I'm going with Dennis Pitta. Dennis Pitta. I'm going with Dennis Pitta. All right. I can understand it. it So Gordon Hudson's career cut short by injuries. Um, And Johnny Harleen. He was a little bit ahead of his time. He was kind of like that little bit undersized, but a guy that could play in the slot detached. Teams have that guy now. 
But back in those days, you had kind of had to be a 250 guy, play attached, and be able to block. Right. So Johnny was just a little ahead of his time, or he could have been a great one. Dennis Pitta injuries. Remember the hip injuries? Yeah. The hip problem, degenerative hip problem. Cut his because he was he was playing at a Pro Bowl level. Pitta caught he caught over a hundred balls more than Harleen. Uh, looks like about seventy more than Smith, and uh, about forty more than Hudson. So he's yep. your guy. I'm, I'm going. I'm going with with our with our guys out there saying saying Pitta, and it's too bad that that he hit. I want you to think about that team. You had Max playing quarterback, who was an NFL caliber guy before he had problems and got hurt. You had Dennis Pitta, who was playing at a Pro Bowl level at tight end. You had Austin Collie, who was playing at a Pro Bowl level at wide receiver, and you had Harvey Unga playing tailback. Good team. Yeah. Hey, no wonder they just won 11 games every year. Yeah. So, and beat the Utes. And beat the Utes. Okay, here we go. Uh, As our quarterback quiz continues on the wise guys, get your answers ready, and here comes the question. It's first and goal from the three. You're going to throw to the tight end. Who catches the touchdown? Chad Lewis, Doug Jolly, Byron Rex, or David Mills? Lewis caught 10, Jolly 11, Rex 7, Mills caught 9. One of those four is who you're throwing to from the three-yard line into the end zone. Yeah, I'm interested to see what what, our, what folks feel out there in, out there around the country. It's... it's uh, so we're, but we're talking about closed quarters, down yeah. close, got yeah. down close. Everyone's to bunched in. Yeah. So, you, so you're on the three, and you got to you got to fit it into a small spot. Probably a lot of traffic around him. And, and Doug Jolly, I'll take Doug Jolly running down the middle away from people. You know, just he would just run away from people, right? And 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 Byron Rex was a physical dude. Isaac's dad, right? Yep. BYU's tight end right now. David Mills, nicknamed Sluggo. Um, he was the tight end that I played with. Always seemed to be able to find room. Why was he called Sluggo? Because he, first of all, I think Sluggo because he always seemed like, um, like you just talk kind of slow, sluggish. Yeah, he was sluggish. So, but there's a route called the Sluggo route that he ran really well too. But I, I think Sluggo is appropriate because he would play at full speed, but he would talk at slow speed. <laughs> so Sluggo. All right. Um, but you want a big old target that's just going to go take the ball away from people when you're that close to the goal line. You got to go with Chad Lewis, the pro bowler from the Philadelphia Eagles. Chad Lewis, just throw it up there. He's going to go take it away from whoever. He caught 111 balls. Jolly had 52. Rex had 87. Mills had 69. So Chad Lewis is who you're going with. Okay. Now let's bring in some of the I, running backs. I, I, Mark actually goes, if it's an underhand throw, I'm going with Wake. So, which, which because you know what Mason Wake's going to do. He's going to catch that little he's shovel gonna, pass. He's going to do a Chad Lewis he's leap. He's going to hurdle somebody. But Mason did something last year that I loved. Everybody got used to him hurdling. And then one guy, because he thought he was going to hurdle, got a little high, and Mason put his face mask right in that guy's check, chest and almost knocked the guy out. I want to see some more of that next year out of Mason Wake. I think we're going to see it. I think we're going to see it. All right, so now let's bring in some running backs. It's first and 10 at the 50, and you're going to throw to the running back coming out of the backfield. Who's it going to be? Is it going to be A, Matt Bellini, B, Jeff Blank, C, Luke Staley, or D, Ronnie Jenkins? These are some good guys. Bellini had 29 touchdowns. Blank had 29. Staley had 48. Jenkins had 29. You're just throwing out of the backfield on first and 10 at the 50. Yeah, and so you got 
Ronnie the Jet Jenkins, one of the fastest running backs to ever play at BYU, and then played with the Chargers for a while. You got you got Jeff Blank, who was just so good. He's an every down guy that could run. The, you could feature him in the run game and and throw the ball. Over three thousand total yeah, yards for just, Blank. Just fantastic. Matt Bellini, who in, in my opinion one one of the greatest route runners out of the backfield. Like BYU used to make just make hay running the option route, where they just say to Matt Bellini, "Go down the field." And you read whether it's zone or man. If it's zone, you find the soft spot in the zone and sit down. We're throwing it to you. If it's man-to-man, you feel where the defender is, and you either go in or out, and 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 we'll just throw it to you. It's almost like, Matt, go get open. It's one-on-one. We're throwing the ball to you. He, he, he's maybe the best to ever do in that route. But come on, Luke Staley is a freak, a freak of nature. If you're just going to throw a swing pass, and you get Luke Staley past the line of scrimmage, and now he's going one-on-one on linebackers and safeties... He can make them look stupid, and not usually a kicker. <laughs> you run over him. Usually a kicker leads the nation in scoring. Didn't Luke the year he won the the Doak Walker Award? Didn't he lead the nation in scoring as a I think running so. back? I think so. He had the touchdown record, which gave him a lot of points. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I'll tell you that all four of those are really good. And yeah. and then Staley, I agree, was a monster. I still remember Jenkins catching the ball out of the backfield and oh, he gone. Just, Jenkins would run away from people, but. But Luke's going to just, he makes people look stupid out there. Okay. All right. Well, if you think that one's hard, here comes one. Okay. It's first and goal from the 10-yard line. You're calling a running play. Who's going to get the ball from the 10? A, Tyler Algier. B, Harvey Unga. C, Pete Van Valkenburg. Or D, Jamal Williams. 10-yard line, first and goal, Algier, Unga, Van Valkenburg or Jamal Williams? Wow. That's you gave me hard choices here. And people that, that are younger that don't know Pete Van Valkenburg, Fleet Pete Van Valkenburg, great, great running back, old twenty three hundred yards rushing, yep. twenty four touchdowns. And he, he was a graduate assistant coach when I was playing. Yeah. Great, great human being. Now Jamal's got the most yards, three thousand nine hundred and one, yep. thirty five touchdowns. Unga, right behind him, three thousand four hundred fifty five, thirty six touchdowns. And we know what Algier did last year. He finished with just under 3,000 yards rushing and 36 career touchdowns. Single season record last year and with 1,601. Left after his junior year. Left after, after his junior year. Like he came back next year, he could break that. So you're record. at the 10-yard line. Um, it's not oh, first and goal man. like you're trying to bull somebody over. What do you got? Well, I mean, you know, people are saying Tyler yeah. because he, he, he understands where the end zone is. Uga, uh, others are saying The wrecking hard. ball. Can, who can forget the play against Utah when Harvey just trucked their safety and looked down at him? And like this a, was after the fourth and eighteen yeah, bomb after to call. Fourth and eighteen, Harvey just runs over their safety and then just kind of looks at like, "Oh, get that fly off of me!" as he's running into the end zone. So it's first and goal, but we're on the ten. Yeah, you're on the ten. So there's some the room. 10, so and the defense isn't all packed in there. They're they're wondering no. if you're going to throw it. You're going to do play action. But you're going to give it to Algier, Unga, Van Valkenburg, or Williams. I, I'm going to go with Tyler Algier. You're going Algier. I'm going. I'm going with the youngest, the youngest of the crowd. From the three, well, it's not really an age question. No, I know, but I'm. I, I'd give it to Harvey if we were on the three. I'd give it to Jamal if we're on the five, and I'm, I'm giving it to Tyler if we're on the ten. He's going to make a couple guys miss, and he's going to go in. I, it was okay. kind of a toss up between right. Jamal and Tyler for me on that one. Okay. And Harvey's going to coach him, so it's all good. All right, here's a, here's one you're going to have to think about. 
It's first and 10 from the opponent's 25. Ooh. And you've called for a halfback pass. Who's going to throw the ball? Is it A, Curtis Brown, B, Lake Hemuli, C, Brian McKenzie, or D, Jamal Willis? Wow. All great athletes, mm-hmm. all capable of doing a number of things, all certainly capable of throwing a pass, but you have to pick one of them. I'm trying to think of which one of these I've actually seen throw it. I, I yeah, I, it was, and, and, and Kurt, I'm not sure. I, I think Curtis actually completed a halfback pass in a game. Could have been. Um. Lake, of course, a phenomenal fullback, great pass receiver out of the backfield, run over people on that 1984 national championship team, Brian McKenzie. And listen to these uh, total yards for these guys. Curtis Brown over 4,500, Hamuli over 3,800, McKenzie over 2,100, and Willis over 4,000. Wow. These are contributors uh, to the fullest extent. Bunch of touchdowns. Willis had 40 touchdowns. People don't realize 40 it's, touchdowns. It's, Jamal Willis is one of the best athletes Athletes, period, in college football when, when he was playing. It's crazy how big and long and athletic he was. But you know who I'm going to go with? I'm going with a CB, Curtis Brown. Curtis Brown? I'm going with, I think he's got the best arm of the group. and I think he's going to come up with a big play for us. And wasn't Curtis the all-time leading rusher when, when he left BYU? I, I believe he was all-time. So Could have been. All I know is that eight of these questions you've answered A. On it. So I'm going to have to mix it up a little bit. No, but it's because you're putting the best guy for the thing at A. Because it's the first guy coming to your mind. What you need to do is go, you need to think, well, this should be awesome. I'm Kyle. trying to mix it I'm up a little put, bit. I'm going to put him C. I kind of thought you were going to go Gordon Hudson on third and 15. Well, I could have gone Gordon. And I kind of, you went Staley. I, I thought Bellini might be there. Um, yeah, you went B for Clay Brown. Plater was B. So I, yeah, I tried to mix it up. Yeah, well. Could have gone any. I you mean, could have gone either. You can't, uh, you can't get on me for going A. It's it, Obviously, it's the design of the thing, which, which you designed. <laughs> I'm just saying. All right, here we go. Two more. Yes. And our great show for this week. Uh, all right, now here's the goal line. Fourth and goal. At the one. There's only time for one more play. So oh, this is it. Yes. You're going to call a running play to try to win the game. Who are you going to give it to? A, Jamal Williams with 36 total touchdowns. Mm-hmm. B, Luke Staley with 48 total. Mm-hmm. C, Tyler Algier with 37 total. Or D, Harvey Unga with 45 total touchdowns. Fourth and one. There's no more time for any other play barring a penalty. It's the guy that's got to score. It's the guy that and, has to score to win remember, the game. remember, I said if it was the three, I would pick Harvey Unga. But would you really pick Harvey at but, the goal but, line over but, Luke? But Luke was an option on that question. Remember? <laughs> I'm just going to tell you something that Kyle Whittingham told me. Kyle was up. I think he was the D coordinator at BYU when Luke was the running back at BYU. Yeah. And we were getting ready to, to cover the game. And Kyle goes, the hard part about Luke is if they toss him the ball, the first couple times they toss him the ball, as defenders, you start to run your normal pursuit angles. And you can't believe a guy that big can run that fast. So he just runs around the corner and he leaves everybody in the dust. Then... Everybody starts to take a more severe angle and run faster because they realize he's so fast. Then he puts his foot in the ground, and he cuts back, and he's so big and so physical. When they stick their arms, he just runs through the tackles and scores anyhow. That's why he led the nation in scoring. Are you going to hand off to him, or are you going to pitch to him? I'm going to toss it to him. Yeah. I'm going to let him make the decision. I'm going to let him stretch the defense, put his foot in the ground, and cut back if he needs to, or, or turn the corner. He, he, he led the nation in scoring. This one's easy. This is Luke Staley. Okay, final question for this week's quiz. We're going to get into special teams here. It's the final play of the game against Utah. BYU needs to kick a 45-yard field goal to beat the Utes. 
Who do you send on to make the kick? A, Mitch Payne, B, Jake Oldroyd, C, Lee Johnson, D, Owen Potchman, or E, Ethan Potchman. Payne hit 74.6% of his field goals. Oldroyd is at 75.93, which is amazing. Lee Johnson, it was 13 of 17 in the 84 National Championship season. Owen Potchman, 72.5% career field goals. At Ethan Potchman, he made 20 field goals during the 96 season. You need one from 45 yards to beat the Utes. Who are you going with? Oh, man. Because here's the thing. Now there's some serious pressure on me. Because if I don't say LJ, I'll never hear the end of it. <laughs> I will never hear the end yeah, of it. Yeah, but you got to deal with the Potchmans. you got Oldroyd, who, who's been who, automatic. Who in BYU history has played more years in the National Football League than Lee Johnson? Is anybody? Probably not. Uh, the deep snapper for the Dolphins. Oh, yeah. Denny. That's a good point. Yeah, but that's, that's yeah, but and, and Lee, but remember, he kicked off and punted in the league. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, but he's got to kick a 45-yarder. With distance. And, and look at Lee, 13 or 17. Mm, mm, mm. You know what? Yeah, everybody's saying, you know, you got everybody's got a different opinion. You got pain. You got Potchman up here from people. Jake the make. And they're going, whichever Potchman beat Wyoming in the WAC <laughs> championship game, because that was pressure. Who was that? That was go, Ethan. They, they go Lee Johnson and fake it. I like these answers. But but I'm gonna agree with who is that that said Jake the make? Because it's in blue and I can't D. Holla. D. Yeah, Holla. D. Holla. I, I'm, a, I'm gonna go with Jake the make. You're sending old Roy out there I'm to get it done. Sending old Roy out there to kick it. He doesn't seem like. Here's the thing about Jake that I've noticed about him. Doesn't seem to bother him. Like he doesn't care how big it is. So he's just gonna go kick it. It's just a game. So I think that no matter how much pressure's on him in the Utah game, he's gonna drill the 45 yard. And they're gonna win it, just like he did in the Wisconsin game, to win it. Yeah, that was a big kick. He's so, booted. Uh, it seemed during the COVID year he was kicking 54 yard field goals left and right. Yeah, he's he's. Remember he had that little bit of a back injury. Yeah. So and a little insight because I've talked to him, and we never talk about injuries, but I, we can talk about it on this show, right? Yeah. So he had a little bit of a nerve thing from an injury, and I don't, I, you know, I don't know if it's an accident or injury in football in his back, and it was a little nerve thing, and he had a little um, treatment to kind of deaden that nerve because structurally he was fine, but he just couldn't do it. He couldn't get loose, and it was causing problems. Remember, he didn't kick in a couple of games, right? Because of it, um, and 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 Smith kicked and did a fantastic job. Nice to have depth at that position, mm-hmm. right? Well, they figured out a little procedure to deaden that nerve. So he and he's completely structurally sound and functional, and he had no problem, uh, has had no problem since, and now they know how to manage that. And when healthy, uh, oh, he's as good as there is you know, anywhere in the country. He ran out on the field in those green shoes in Kalani's first game mm-hmm. down in Glendale and kicked that game-winning field goal game, to beat game Arizona winner against Arizona, game winner against uh, Wisconsin, and that's only a couple that we're thinking of. Yeah. Um, I think he's got ice in his veins, and when he's healthy, he's as good as anybody in the country. He's an NFL-caliber guy. I'm going Jay Goldroyd. All right, that's our BYU football Wise Guys quiz for this week. We'll come back with some some new stuff as we get going. Next week, it'll be the day before media days. We'll have a lot to talk yep, about, talk about that. As, we, uh, as we get going. That was a good quiz. Uh, BYU's had some phenomenal players. And at some point, we'll get to the defensive quiz and, you know, question like, hey, it's third and three. The running back's trying to get around the corner. The About answer. four yards deep, and who you send it? Van Noy, Rob Morris, Ziggy Ansah. Who's going to make that tackle? 
They answered every Brandon question. Brandon Ogletree. They answered every question is just Rob Morris. <laughs> Ray Trey Morris. I can't. I'm going to have to be creative. We can't have Rob Morris and Jim McMahon be uh, answered every one of your one of your questions. National sports scene. The Celtics host the Warriors Thursday night. Golden State leads the series 3-2. to two. Is Steph Curry just not the greatest shooter to ever play the game of basketball? And, and you know what? He, I love Steph Curry, and I've been a fan, not just not a bandwagon. No, you're not a, a bandwagon. Forever. And I, I love that he's just changed the game of basketball. Like, teams, teams in the NBA and college play differently. Like, he brought shooting back, the great art of deep shooting back, to, to and I'm I'm amazed at how little teams don't space. just throw it into the post and and play through the center like they did in Shaq's days. Steph's made people spread the floor out and and defend. The he three. needs a little space to get off the three and and you know see what the Warriors are doing. They they come down and they have a high screen like Steph's got the ball, hands it to a guy, gets it back, and if if the back uh, the second defender doesn't get up on Curry fast enough because the other guy's been screened out. In like a flash of a second, shots off. When when you play this this ball screen against Steph, you either have to show, show so hard that he has to belly back the big guy, yeah, and and you need to follow him over the top of the screen. You can't go under screens with him, or he'll just pull up and shoot it from behind the screen. What I love about him is Steph's not one dimensional. Like they tried to take the three way from him last night, he just finds other ways to score, right? And 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 set his teammates up. And how many times do you see them really defending him hard? He drives and uh, and kick the ball out to Clay Thompson for for a shot or shuffle it over to Wiggins. When he and Thompson dunk. are on, it's it's Unstoppable. punishing. Unstoppable. And the Celtics, um, they've got the home game now. Tatum, uh, Tatum's kind of in, and then he disappears, and then he's in. But they're, the Celtics are all good shooters. Um, they they just blew it in. Uh, what was it? Game four. When they were at home, blew it in game yeah. four. Yeah, and and here's the thing that so. He's such a complete player, talking to Steph. He understands when to take the game over and when not to. He understands when to be a distributor and, or when to shoot the threes. He just he knows when to go hero mode and not to go hero. And he doesn't really go hero mode. He, he I say hero mode where it's just all on me. I've got to do this. Yeah. He trusts his teammates. Um, he's a great decision maker. And one of the is he not the greatest shooter in the history of the game? I, I think so. Yeah. I think so. It's, and it's we're crazy. seeing it in our time. We're seeing it in real time, and, and, which is and cool. I wanted him to come back and win a championship without KD. Because he won one before, and then Durant comes, and then and it's like, well, now they're just the greatest team assembled. And then KD goes and goes, okay, now I'm going to go win one in Brooklyn or wherever he is now. And, I think they got the Celtics and, buried and, now. And I, I just love that it's still just Steph. What The one constant is Steph. Leads the series 3-2. to two. Stanley Cup final start tomorrow night, Wednesday, between Tampa Bay and... And Colorado, the Avalanche have home ice for the first two games of the series. And the U.S. Open starts Thursday in Brookline, Massachusetts. Tony Finau coming off a second-place finish at the Canadian Open over the weekend. Uh, Rory McIlroy got him by two shots. He has some chances there down the stretch, but Finau's playing good. We see him at Riverside all the time. Wish him the best for the U.S. Open. I, I love that. that uh, so Tony and Rory going at each other. And that last group and was Justin Thomas. Yeah, Justin Thomas, Rory, and Tony. Um, all in that last group, and Tony, he stayed focused and he did well. Here's what Tony had a, a rough start to the year, and and his, and his putting wasn't what it normally was. And it feels to me like in the last couple of weeks, Tony's found that putting stroke again, especially on the long ones where they're either going in, or he's lagging up really, really close and making that next putt easy. I followed Tony around a bunch at the Masters when I was back there in Augusta a few weeks ago, and uh, man, his ball striking was remarkable. 
Um, and he can shape his shots around that course. Um, but putting let him down yeah. a few times. And he putted really well this week in the Canadian Open. That's a good sign going into the U.S. Open. Got to keep the ball in play because you know the rough is going to be ridiculous for a U.S. Open. And it's at Brookline. Um, um, it's going to be a lot of tight, thick lies and things. Humidity, yeah, East yeah. Coast. Um, so, but, but I love his chances. Tony and Rory have been friends since they were young guys. Yeah. They were juniors together. Yeah, Jim Nance was telling that story over I, I, the weekend. I, I, when I was at the Masters, I was, I was with Kalepe, um, Tony's dad. We're standing there, and, and Rory comes walking by, and he just comes right under the rope, and he goes, hey, Pops. So, so he knows Tony's family, and he gave, he gave Kalepe a big hug. And Tony's family is renowned on the tour. Everybody loves how much Tony is a family guy, and he's beloved on the tour. There's not that nobody doesn't like Tony Finau on the tour. It's time for him to go get a major. How about the live tour? That's popped on. It's caused some controversy. I don't have a problem with it. Do you have a problem with it? The PGA has a big problem with it because it's the competition that's right. that's threatening to take away their guys for more money uh, and less tournaments, which is appealing to a lot of people who are on the road. But uh, the 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 hubbub over, uh, I thought CBS kind of and and the. Commissioner of the PGA Tour was talking about 9-11 and Saudis are back in the live tour and and this and that. And I was sitting there, I was listening to that, and I thought, wait a second. I got out my phone and I Googled uh, how much oil we export from Saudi Arabia. Yeah. We export, or th- we, we buy more Saudi oil than anyone in the country. So I'm thinking, you know what, if, if we're buying their oil, can't golfers from America take their money? And I, I thought, what's the difference? Yeah, and it's... And that's been the big argument. It's not, although you know the underlying thing is, is the PGA's had a monopoly on yeah, on the world. That's what it is. Scene, it's really, and, and they don't and they don't like that relinquishing but, power. Yeah, but um, it's hey, the NFL's a monopoly. We finally got the USFL back. Yeah, and and with with the NFL's blessing right. and help, I think I think the under the underlying message. There are people that have a problem with where the money's coming from over there and some of the corrupt government issues that are happening there, the way they treat women and things like that. And, 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 and you, sure you, you can, you can say all of that, but, but uh, in the end, what really rubs the PGA wrong is that it's competition, competition <laughs> so, and money and, and, and a lot of money. So, so we'll see what happens. Uh, but everyone, uh, the U S open is not a PGA event, right? So all those guys can come back and play this week. Phil's there. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. Uh, the, the masters, it wasn't a, uh, no, the, the majors the ma- aren't. Masters is, is not well. The PGA is because it is the PGA. Yeah, so the that PGA one. Championship British Opens the, open. British everybody. Opens an open. The Masters is an open. U.S. Open, but the PGA Championship is a is a right. is a PGA sponsored event. Um, obviously, yeah. PGA is a PGA. Um, uh, and the, the the next, I think, the next biggest tournament that the players love is Players Championship, and that's I think that's a PGA sponsored event because so. that's that's like a next level. We'll see how everyone is when they get back together this week. Yeah, and it'll be it'll playing be against well, each other. Remember, Phil didn't play in the Masters, right? Because of the controversy, kind of what was going on behind the scenes. And all well, that. And some of the things Phil said were absolutely crazy. You, sh- you can never say that stuff, right? And he and he was invited, and and I thought the Masters was interesting because they just said, "Hey, listen, if you're def- if you've won the championship, you have a standing invitation." So we're not telling Phil he can't come play and then phil just decided ah it's just to his credit he said and, and hey i'm not condoning anything he said but but to his credit he did say listen I don't, the masters is the greatest tournament world. i don't want to take away from it i don't want i don't want me coming to be the story and because he'd bowed out since his the the stuff that he'd said right 
right. uh, in his book. I actually or res- not his I, book, I but a book. That. I respect that he bowed out. So. We'll see how he we'll see how he does um, this week. All right, this day in history, we're going to wrap up with this uh, in our last few minutes. Next week, we're going to get defensive with a defensive quiz that I uh, it's going to be so tough you won't even believe it. And then we'll break down BYU's defense on the eve before yep. media day. Yep, we got lots to talk about, um, I, and I think BYU's defense can be a lot better than, especially up front. Everybody's expecting this offense to be a top ten offense, which is warranted, right? But but this defense is going to be as good as they've been in years because they're deep and they got guys that can cover, which gives them a lot of flexibility what to do up front. And Elias Tuiaki is very uh, bullish on his boys up front yep. and the the defensive line. They feel like for whatever got, reason they, they get fight. a knock. They finally have the depth yeah. to roll guys in there and be fresh and do what they want to do up front. So. All right, this day in history, uh, if you saw some flags out and about in your communities, it's because June 14th, 1775, Stars and Stripes were adopted by Congress as the United States flag, and then President Woodrow Wilson in 1916 declared today Flag Day. That's why there's flags Since out. Since 1916. That's right. Yeah. Uh, today, uh, in 1775, the birth of the United States Army. Hmm. Do you think the Army football team was still uh, refusing to throw the football in their very first year? Hey, you know what? The Army, fo- yeah, like if we go back far enough in history, that was one of the most dominant football programs in the country. Winning national championships, they had back-to-back Heisman Trophy winners, Mr. Inside, Mr. Outside, Glenn Davis, Doc Blanchard. The Navy in recent years kind of took over. Yeah, Navy's been better. Now with, Army's with coming back. Montel- well, and Air Force had a run there for a while mm-hmm. where they were where they were winning. Army Fisher DeBerry got it done. Yeah, and hey, our our own Ken Niamatololo, who we who we love and respect, uh, they're. I feel like when he retires, they got to name it Ken Niamatololo Field at, at Navy Stadium. Yeah, be easier to just say Ken Field, but yeah, but yeah, no, it's got to be Niamatololo. <laughs> I think he needs a good season this year, or yeah. retirement might come sooner yeah. than yeah. he might think. 1977 on this day, a landmark case where non-smokers won a court battle with Eastern Airlines, and that required Eastern to have at least 65% non-smoking seats, which was the forerunner to smoking being banned on all flights. Ken, I, I, I never traveled. Uh, I wasn't even born. Well, I was born, but I wasn't traveling like plane back then i can't imagine sitting on a plane and someone smoking i remember those days because i'm old I mean, how miserable you know, just I, I, I remember how miserable being, would that be i remember being like the smoking section was like say it's the last three rows on a plane and then you have like a paper card on the back of the seat and and one time i was in the i was in the seat right in front of the smoking section i'm thinking <laughs> what, what difference does this make the guy, Not, nothing for you the guy behind me smoking that's it, nuts. That's yeah, nuts. Yeah, it was, it was like I, the fact that we used to be able to smoke on an airplane in a smoking section. And now when you sneeze on an airplane, you got five rows of people going, but, but, whoa, hey. Have you been to Europe much? No. When, when you're in Europe, you're walking around and going, whoa, we're not in the United States. Over in Europe, like everyone smokes. a lot of people still smoke, which blows me away. It's just not as fashionable here in the United States. And hey, I don't want to offend anybody. If you smoke, that's fine. But it's just interesting that in the United States, you just don't see it very much, and there's a lot of laws around it. And you get over to Europe, and, and, and lots of folks still smoke over in Europe. 1954, on this day, President Dwight D. Eisenhower signed a bill to add the words, under God, to the U.S. Pledge of Allegiance. That's in 54? I thought that was always there. Nope. Nope. Uh, number one song on June 14th, 1980, of course, Funky Town. Won't you take me Lips, to Inc. Funky Town? Exactly. That's exactly how I remember it. Uh, 
Famous birthdays today on June 14th, which is our fourth Wise Guys show. By the way, you can listen to all our shows on our podcast, which is up and running. And you get all that info at ysguys.com. Uh, President Donald Trump, today's his birthday. Boy George, Culture Club, remember him? Do you really want to hurt something, me? Something like that. How about Burl Ives? Burl Ives. From the Christmas classic little claymations. He's, he's like, Burl Ives, wasn't he um, the snowman that told the story? And yeah. R- Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? He sang a little bit. Oh, yeah, Burl Ives. Uh, Steffi Graf Agassi. I think he sang Have a Holly Jolly Christmas. Burl oh, yeah. Oh, he sings all the classics. All that stuff. Rudolph tells that story. Steffi. June 14th is Strawberry Shortcake Day. Wait, who's Steffi Graf married to? Andre Agassi. Well, that's right. Hey, did you bring any strawberry shortcake for strawberry shortcake day Absolutely. for us? Oh, they'll okay. bring they'll bring it in. That's coming. Yeah. Hope they're being honest. These guys never forget stuff like that. Hey, and then uh, on this day in 1900, Hawaii became a U.S. territory. 1900. Virgin lava flows for everybody. I, you know, as we're over Are there, you buying? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've been. Hey, everybody, you go buy. Everybody. Go buy yourselves a Virgin Lava Flow and Venmo request to Dave Dave McCann. I remember we've been over we've been over to Hawaii together a number of times calling ball games. But when, whenever you you first of all it takes like three days to get there or six hours, some close. And and anyway, three days or six hours. Yeah, or, and you're sitting there and you're drinking a Virgin Lava Flow. And if you don't ask for a Virgin Lava Flow, or if they don't um, hear you, they're going to send you a Lava Flow with rum in it. You're going to be sick all night. Just take. That's what's going to happen. Take it, take it from, take it from, from me. me. You don't need Here, to find that out Here's the thing I don't yourself. understand. Like, why a virgin lava flow is, is the purest form of paradise, right, in, in a drink. It really is. And it tastes awesome. And then you add rum to it. It tastes like crap. And, and you can be sick all night. So yeah, who wants that? Have established I can say crap on this show? Yeah, we yeah. established that. Rum tastes like crap. <laughs> so so don't, don't put rum in your lava flow. Have a virgin lava flow, right? I should do this week in history since the show's only once a week. That's a good point, but what about if we go two two nights a week? The show yeah, the we might go two possibilities nights a week at some point. are endless. Um, anyway, so we're sitting over there in Hawaii. Yes. And thinking to yourself, how is this in the United States? It's when we flew six hours, we're in the middle of nowhere. I don't. When did we just pull up and go? We're going to take this. We'll take Hawaii. You know, and 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 who had the stones to do it? You know, hey, we're. You know what? Hey, the, this is ours now. I don't want to remind you of a bad time in history. But remember when Japan said we're taking it from you? Yeah, that didn't work. It out. Didn't work out. Don't mess with the United States. So in, anyway, in yeah, June fourteenth, nineteen hundred, Hawaii became a U.S. territory. Yep. I don't know when the Virgin Lava Flow came along, but that was before nineteen hundred. Yeah, I will tell you this: that is the best Hawaiian drink. What's in a Virgin Lava Flow? Some red stuff and, and some white stuff and some white stuff, Swirl some up. cream and some fruit. Is My it, wife is, says there's, it's not a big of a deal. I can make it here at the house. I go, do not make it here at the house. No, that was that's spoiler. a Hawaii drink. I'm look, I'm looking up what's in a lava flow, by the way. So, uh, it, just in our closing minutes, I took the kids over to Hawaii one year because I wanted them to experience it, and we I ordered lava flows for everybody. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I drank all the lava flows, and they ordered sprites after about two sips. What? I'm like, that's it. That's it. No more for you. Okay, so a lava flow is a colorful frozen cocktail that's a favorite in Hawaiian bars and and emulates and the restaurants. Look of, it emulates the look of real life volcanoes. This tropical drink is made with rum, which we are saying do the virgin version, strawberries, pineapple, and coconut cream. It's poured as two distinct layers of color and flavor that flow and combine as you drink them. 
Doesn't that sound delightful? I like strawberries, pineapple, and coconut cream together. Yeah. Oh, it's man. heavenly. Takes me to Hawaii. All right. We're ready for uh, our Lavelle Edwards quote. Yep. Wrap it up for a week. And then again next week, uh, it's the night before media day, and uh, we're going to break down the defense and talk about what's up. There's always stuff going on. Who knows who we'll have on as guests, but today we've, uh, we've broken the – We've broken in two national champions. Yes, we have. On Wise Guys. It was great to have uh, Courtney and Ashton with we, us. We set the bar high. I don't know if we're going to be able to do national champions every week. <laughs> I know. I, I, we could get by a little bit. We could go for a while. We could go through the whole 1984 football team. Yeah, I'll just team. start bringing my boys on with me. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is a little more of a serious Lavelle Edwards quote. We end this show each week with a famous quote from Lavelle Edwards. Remember last week we had the – that when he said you, uh, when you go to San Diego, be, the knock on BYU fans is they take a fifty dollar bill and, and the, 10 the Ten Commandments, and they don't break. Yep, they don't either one of them. All right, here's today's. I want you read it. You got it. Yep. He says, when we have adversity, we oftentimes tend to look around and think that we're the Lone Ranger. We tend to believe that we're the only one who has problems, and we always look around and see others who are more talented, taller, smarter, handsomer, or faster. I can assure you everyone has problems, even football coaches. The ability we have to handle this adversity will determine the degree of success that we will have in life. So, yeah. Words to live by by the great Lavelle yep. Edwards. Just look around. Everybody's got problems. That's how we deal with them. Sets the tone for the rest of the week and Father's Day weekend. Happy Father's, Father's Day, Day. Father's Day coming up Sunday. Yeah. Happy Father's Day to you. Thank you. Next week, again, we will uh, break down the defense and give you everything that's new on campus. And, um, you know, we might have an opening day opponent for 2023. We'll look for a national champ that's suitable for the show. Yeah, we'll, we'll look for another national champ. Maybe we should get Bosco on. We could bring Robbie We could do that. Yeah, he's a national champ. He is a national champ. That would, <laughs> that would extend our streak to two weeks. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, the podcast will be up tomorrow, and uh, you can watch this show anytime. And, and all the details at ysguys.com. And tell your friends and encourage them to, uh, to uh, log on to Twitch and get an account. It's free. And then uh, chime in with us. We, we, love, we love when people interact with us from all over the world. Yep. I, hey, I love Return with Honor. Hey, great outs here. Return. This is from our, our, our guys out there. Return with Honor. Love one another. And then uh, and, and Chaplin. Chaplain Brett, of course, he's leaving. He says, see you next week. Love you. So, of and course. follow the prophet. And follow that's, the that's prophet. That's a good one to end on, It's a good one to stop. For Please. Blaine Fowler, I'm Dave McCann, and our guys over here uh, who are in charge of the strawberry shortcake for tonight, looking forward to that. Thank you for watching, and uh, we'll see you throughout social media and on BYU TV, and we're just living the dream. Let's do right? this. Let's do this again next week. I say we do. A whole new show? Let's do a whole new show next a week. A whole new quiz. Okay. Sounds good. See, see you then. See you guys.